Welcome to Herp Talk Radio. I'm your host, Matthew, and my co-host is Peggy Detmer. Coming to you live from the Black Hills. It's Herp Talk Radio. All right, welcome to this episode of Herp Talk Radio. Um, we have a special guest here at the beginning of this podcast, uh, Dr. Travis Wyman. Dr. Wyman's a geneticist by day. Uh, he's also a ball python breeder. He's been in this hobby for numerous years, uh, pretty much his whole life. Uh, I heard him on an episode of the Herpeticulture Network uh, with Justin Smith talking about uh, what he's going to talk about here, and it impacted me personally. Uh, I've My mom ran a daycare as a kid, and I have watched people not have kidneys and have to go through dialysis, so I thought it was a very important thing to bring him on and uh, talk about this with you. After this, we'll get to Mike uh, from Mike's Aquatics and uh, enjoy the show, guys. Uh, well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, so I'm I'm reaching out to the community. You'll probably hear me bouncing around different pods over the next week or so. Um, but basically what I've got going on is that my wife is a type one diabetic and having, you know, lived with the disease all of her life, it, um, it tends to break down the kidneys and she's hit the point where her kidneys have begun to enter into kidney failure. Um, and what that means for us is that now she is on a wait list, um, to get a kidney transplant, but that wait list currently has, you know, across the country, 90,000 people on it. Um, and the wait list is for a kidney from a deceased individual, which, you know, people hear that and they think, you know, well, you know, I've signed my donor card. I've signed it on the back of my driver's license and lots of people do that. So it should be easy to get kidneys. But it's not actually that easy because for a deceased kidney to be viable, the person has to pass in relatively specific ways. Basically, it's somebody who passes while they're on life support and there's not been any kind of traumatic injury to them. So, you know, somebody who dies in a car accident or something like that, their kidneys generally aren't candidate because they've been damaged too much. Um so because of that, the deceased kidney list, the wait time is four to eight years for somebody once they get on. And sadly, about a third of the people who end up on that list come off because they either pass away before they could get a kidney or they're rendered medically ineligible. And that basically ends up putting them on dialysis for life. And then they will pass away without getting a kidney. Um, so to try and change that four to eight year wait list for my wife with, you know, a one third chance of not making it through. Um, we are looking for uh, living kidney donor options and people kind of get scared when they hear that idea. But, you know, we both, we all have two kidneys and those two kidneys do the work of basically four times what you need. So even losing one kidney, you still have two times the capacity that you would need. And, this process radically helps uh, transplant recipients. Um, the recruitment time for people who go in looking for a living donor tends to be about a year to 18 months before they find a kidney that works for them. Um, 
And then the lifespan of that kidney once it's transplanted into them is 20 to 40 years, which is almost twice what you have with a deceased kidney. Um, and that's a great thing because that usually means that somebody who receives a living kidney doesn't end up back on the transplant list. Oftentimes people who get a deceased kidney end up going back on the list because that kidney will also end up failing after, you know, 10 to 15 years or so. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to my friend that I was telling you about. So he got the transplant and it failed and he's still on dialysis and it's not great. Yeah, it's not. Um, and it's, it's really hard on a person's body when they go into dialysis. It makes it harder for them sometimes to be able to then accept a kidney and have that kidney take. So ideally you want to not go on there, but if you are on dialysis, you know, getting a transplant is still going to make a huge difference in your life. Cause you're not, you know, stuck in a room for three hours, four hours, five hours, every two or three days, having your body pumped clean. Or if you opt for the at home dialysis, basically you hook up to a machine every night and for eight hours, you have to stay on that machine. There's just no ifs, no ands, no buts. Yeah, I, um, I know that that inhibits travel and everything, my friend. So, yeah, yeah, watching all that, it's it's real hard. Yeah, it is. It's real hard. <clears throat> and <laughs> again, this is why I'm reaching out because it's something we'd really like to avoid is you know having these things happen. Um, the other kind of I don't know necessarily great thing, but what appeals to me with the living donor process, and I'm going through it myself, I'm getting myself evaluated, um, is that there are a lot of organizations, and the one we're specifically working with is the National Kidney Registry, but there are others out there. Um, they have protections built into the way they work um, to basically help you as a donor. So they offer what's known as the kidney for life protocol, which if you as a donor ever later in life end up needing a kidney, you're automatically bumped to the top of the list um, <clears throat> and given priority for a living kidney over a deceased kidney. But they will give you the first kidney they can get their hands on that matches you regardless. Um, there's zero obligation once you start the process. Um, so, you know, if you get halfway through and then realize that, it's not for you and it's become too much for you. You have the ability to back out and there are no repercussions, you know, no punitive actions against you or anything. In fact, they, the donor team is completely separate and independent from the recipient team. And so the recipient would know nothing about where you are in the process unless you specifically told them. So, okay. In theory, you could get in, you could say, you know, get through all the way up to the point where you're basically walking in the door and then say, I've changed my mind, I can't. And the donor's team will then talk to the recipient and team and say, there's been something that has come up and they are now medically inoperable. So it takes it away. You don't have to worry about, you know, being, being trapped into a situation if that's something you're afraid of. Um these programs offer financial compensation to help cover things like, you know, travel um, to get you there. If you make it all the way to a transplant surgery, uh, time off of work can be covered. There's a lot of associated medical costs, but you're responsible for none of it. So basically you're 
kind of getting ten thousand dollars plus in free medical testing. Um, well, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's some pretty intense medical testing. You know, you get you get a CAT scan, so you get to find out, you know, how your insides look at the same time as you know how your outsides look, and not a lot of people get free CAT scans for no good right. reason. <laughs> yeah, those are expensive um, too. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Um, it's also done on your schedule. So like if you do end up being a match for a recipient, you don't have to be, you know, put in right away, basically. You know, if you had if you've got a wedding coming up, if you've got a vacation planned or something, you can still go and take that vacation and stuff. And then when you get back, when you're all recovered, if you've got a major deadline at work that you can't get away from, but in a month and a half it'll be taken care of, you could schedule it for that and then do it then. It's not just, no, you have to do it right now. Um, that's also kind of nice for the recipient because if you're dealing with the deceased kidney, basically you get a call and you've got two hours to get to the hospital. And that call could be at two o'clock in the afternoon or it could be at two o'clock in the morning. Um, so that's, you know, not, not, a, not a great way to go about things. But again, if you're in a position where that's all you've got, then you go for it. Good. Yeah. Um, the impact on donors is actually fairly minimal. Like I said, you know, you've got two kidneys, your body works perfectly fine with just one. Um, the surgery is not super invasive. You're in the hospital for maybe a day or two and there's no major impact on your life after that. You know, you got to let yourself recover from being cut open. Um, you know, you'll probably be out of work for a couple of weeks or so, just, you know, get to have some downtime, but once you're all healed, you know, if you're a marathon runner, you can go run marathons. If you like to ski, you can still ski. You can do all those things that you did before you donated the kidney. You're not, you know, trapped into being a, okay, well, now I have to be a couch potato for the rest of my life because I only got one kidney and I don't have the energy or the ability to do things. Right. Um, and then the last thing about living kidney donation that's very appealing um, at least again to me and very helpful to recipients is what's known as paired exchange programs. And the way those work is if you go through the whole process, but find out you're not a very good match for the recipient, you can enter this paired system where they find somebody who needs a kidney that you do match with. And then they take their donor who's not a match to them and find a recipient to that person. And it basically builds a chain where, you know, I would give to Dave in Tennessee and Dave's recipient or Dave's donor would give to Mary in St. Louis and Mary's donor would give to Mark up in St. Paul. And then Mark's donor would give to my wife. So you get this great big chain and, from you know basically you start the chain and you've changed now four lives instead of just changing one life um that's pretty cool and that's that a that's really nice thing in effect i know that like getting matched for kidneys is super super hard and there's there's a lot more than just you got to match blood type you got to match a whole bunch of different things yeah so. there's there's the blood type to start with and with that you only have to match um generally in blood groups. So everybody, you've got your ABO blood type and you've also got positive negatives. The positive negative doesn't really matter. It's mostly the ABO blood type. So um, with my wife specifically, she's type A, which means that anybody who's type A or O, she could get their kidney. But again, if this is something you're interested in helping with 
and you're a type B or a type AB, you could still do that paired exchange. So you could, you know, test, find out that you're perfectly healthy to give and they'll say, but you can't donate to Julie because she's type A. And then, you know, say, I'd like to do the paired exchange. They'll find somebody whose kidney would, you would match or who's, <laughs> who your kidney would match to really well. And you could start that whole chain along. Um, and even if the chain doesn't end specifically with my wife as the recipient, if you start a chain through your donation, my wife would get what's called a voucher, where as soon as a kidney that did match hers came up, she would be the first person that got the call on that kidney. So it, it's still helpful even if you don't end up giving to her. Like I said, I know this is a big ask. You know, it's a big thing to ask of people because it's not a novel, a novel thing to just give away one of your major organs, but at least this is an organ that you've got a backup built in and it's not a traumatic thing to take away from you. Um, and asking in this community is just, you know, this community has always been great at coming together. It's been a very tight knit community. And when bad things happen to people, they reach out or the community just rallies around them and helps them with these things. Um, and, Matthew's been great. He he heard me on another podcast and he reached out to me just to give me one more place where I could talk to people and try and, you know, find somebody else that could add in. Um, you know, my 20 people that we have listening, there might be one in there. You never yeah, know. Right. <laughs> and, you know, it, like I said, it just takes one person. And my goal is to try and help stack the deck. You know, I'm like I said, I'm going through this process. Unfortunately, nobody in my wife's family is medically eligible. Um, her one sister is also diabetic. Her other sister has got some medical issues. Both of her parents have medical issues that would exclude them. So, you know, right now it's me and a couple of other friends in town that are going through it. But, you know, if we if we bump that number up even by one or two people, then there's a lot more likelihood that either one of or two of those other people will match or one or two of those other people will start this chain that could end up getting her the match that she needs. Um, so if you've listened to me through all of this and it sounds like something you'd be willing to do or wanting to know more information before you go forward with it, you can reach out to me. Um, you can find me on Facebook, Travis Wyman. I'm not the motocross racer. So if you pull up Travis Wyman and you see a whole bunch of motorcycles and stuff, please don't contact him. I'm very sure he doesn't want to give up one of his kidneys. <laughs> he doesn't want your, kidney. um, you can find me on Instagram. I'm snakes underscore N underscore bakes. You could email me a S P L U N D I I at Gmail. That's a splundii at Gmail. Um, Matthew, reach out to him if you want. He can put you in touch with me. Um, yeah, Herp Talk Radio on Instagram, uh, Herp Talk Radio at gmail.com. Yeah. That's what we got right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, those are those are great to have. <laughs> you know, it's, like I said, two more points of two more points of contact. Right. Um, I can, you know, if you're interested, I can send you a much more detailed listing of you know how to get the whole process started. If you're just curious and you want to know more about it before you jump off. I can talk to you about what I've been through. Um, the document that I've put together also has some like 
podcasts and YouTube videos and things like that that discuss the process and can give you more information. Um, if you don't want to talk to me just yet, but you want to try and learn more, if you find my Facebook page, I've got a post that my wife shared out on there that's discussing the whole thing too. It's got links in it that can show you how to get started. So those are all options as well. Um, like I said, I really appreciate, you know, Matthew for giving me the time. I appreciate everybody for listening. And if this is something that you want to do, like I said, please, please don't hesitate to reach out or think about it. Um, worst case scenario is that you end up being a perfect match for my wife and you change her life and my life by being able to donate a kidney to her. And the best case is that you're not a match to her, but you start one of these donor chains and you manage to change the lives of, you know, two people or four people or 10 people by being willing to become a living tissue donor. That's, that's the, the part that interests me the most is even excluding your situation there's another ninety thousand people out there you know yes. overall so well, like, and your, like it's not... your family friend like you said who's on dialysis maybe maybe there'll be you know somebody who's listening now will hear this and they'll they'll get tested and find out that they're not a match for my wife but they may be a match for that person right and like i said that's that's one more life that you change if you can do that and that's just a great thing to you know, for me, that's a great thing to think about is, you know, even if my tests come back and they tell me that I'm not a match for my wife, I'm still staying on the list as a donor. And when my name gets called, I will go and I will let them take my kidney because I want to help somebody. And in a way, I'm paying it forward in the hopes that somebody will be able to help us, too. That's that's awesome that you're still willing to go through with it, too. I didn't know about the the donor program that you were talking about, but that is interesting for sure. Yeah, it's and helpful. I'm sure it's helped a whole bunch of people already. I'm, I'm, I know that it has. Um, and yeah, it, the living donor network is not, it's not broadly known outside of people who find themselves in this situation. I, I didn't even know about it until, you know, a couple of months ago when, my wife's kidney function tests came back as hitting that, you know, tip point to failure. And we, we dug in hard and deep to find out what we could. Do you have anything else? Nope. That's all I've got other than again, thanks to you for letting me jump on. Thanks to your guest for letting me, you know, take up these, you know, 15, 20 minutes worth of time Absolutely. on his episode. <laughs> Thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. And eventually we're going to have to have you on to introduce you to everybody. But that, uh, that would be great too. Because <laughs> I'm sure. More in the reptile realm of things than, you know, yeah. a call for help. <laughs> right, right. Well, if you want to find Travis, you can look up for him on his Facebook, Instagram. He left his email too, just a couple of minutes back. Um, yeah. And. We'll get back onto the regularly scheduled programming. Peggy, what's new this week? Turtle wise or Oh, um, I've been trying out a new food, more species specific. You know, pellets are so easy to feed and and so I'm constantly looking for, you know, the best food for me, all the pets, and 
um, haven't been happy with a lot of the commercial turtle foods out there because um, they contain so much, um, you know, what, what we have determined in the biochem world that they have a lot of agricultural waste, it's called, and wheat midlands and, you know, the soy brands, you know, all the parts of the grains that contain the most pesticides. And since new reports are coming out with more pesticides showing up in human baby formula and our breakfast cereals, I thought, well, and those are even the processed foods that have taken away the worst part of the grains that have the outer coat, which maintains most of the pesticide residue. So I like, okay, that does it. And I go, well, you know, aquatic um, uh, carnivores, you know, usually eat the same food out there. So I'll find a, you know, a pellet in the uh, large fish uh, growers. And sure enough, I, I did. I really like the formula. And boy, it's really showing up in my turtles. One, I had a, well, actually two, that I've had a hard time getting them to shed their scoots properly. Boy, within two weeks on this food, um, my southern painted girl um, shed three layers of scoots <laughs> and looked like a nice polished smooth shell now and so i'm i'm happy with that discovery that's that's my my greatest news awesome i uh i picked up a new animal this week oh what uh, i picked up a amel tessera het caramel female corn snake oh, from ko wow. corns Oh, so, well, I'll have to see a picture of that. <laughs> and her customer service on that was awesome, by the way. So now I can give a review of who we've had on. And she did an awesome job. She pulled right up next to the car. We met in a parking lot. It was great. Great. So. That's how I received my last um, uh, custom-made uh, box turtle habitat. The guy that made it for me, we met in a parking lot in exchange. And I just, I felt like, you know, this was something subversive. <laughs> Reminds me of the, like, the stories of trading diamond pythons in parking lots in Florida <laughs> in the 80s. So. Oh, my. Well, that's great. Should we welcome our guest? Yeah. I'm excited to hear about uh, all he's got going. Um, welcome on board tonight, Mike. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's exciting. Um, what's been happening this week in your neck of the woods? Um, it sounds like you survived a, a, a winter blast. Yeah, pretty cold, and uh, then it warmed up pretty pretty high, and I started getting a lot of messages from people that tried to mimic what I do, and they're like, what the heck's going on? What do I do? <laughs> oh. <laughs> because uh, once it's that cold and it warms up like that, and you're doing a, more of a natural enclosure, uh, not climate controlled, or just pretty much you're letting the elements dictate the water temperature and all that good stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they like to wake up on their own and they'll be basking at 50 degrees or they'll be basking at 60 degrees or, mm -hmm. and then, uh, people lose turtles because, uh, they end up drowning or their setup is, isn't built. Uh, I listened to your podcast, uh, your original one, um, and Matthew mentioned uh, something really, something that I tell everybody. Um, he mentioned uh, based on where you're from is how you should build your build your enclosure. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will try to mimic me or other breeders on enclosures, and it doesn't work for where they're at. Oh, mm -hmm. And it's it's not going to work, man. And it's like you got to do what's best for you. 
take ideas from breeders, take ideas from other people from different areas, mm -hmm. but you have to really dial in what works for your temperatures and what you're doing. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, what's a, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Mike? Uh, like how you got into reptiles and where you're located? Cause... Yeah. So, um, uh, I, I lived in Florida most of my life. I'm from Ohio originally, um, Youngstown, Ohio. And, um, most of my adult life, most of my, my teenage life, uh, I lived in Florida, all over Florida, South Florida, Central Florida. Um, and dude, you know, Florida, there's reptiles oh, everywhere, yeah. turtles, snakes, you know, now, now it's to a point of there's chameleons on trees. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, people like me probably, uh, was the reason for that. You know what I mean? Cause like back then you, you get an animal and it's like, this animal is not doing well in your care or you're moving. And it's like, ah, oh, just put it on the branch. We live in Florida, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's not the best advice, but you know, I'm trying to say is when I was a kid, yeah, we didn't, we didn't do the most smartest things. You know what I mean? Right. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of that is like, you can localize most of all the escapees in Florida into mostly like specific events. Like the Burmese pythons what? can be linked to mostly like one event. Sure, other people, like some people were releasing them, but like it was a big breeding facility from what I understood, right? Hey, I, I'm not really sure on the exact details on stuff like that, but it just things happen, you know? Like I lived in Florida. I, I uh, Some of my enclosures outside, uh, I originally started with like uh, chameleons. I, some of my enclosures were just uh, chicken wire around a tree and I'd give my my chameleon an hour or so outside the mainly the chicken wire was to keep birds from eating him. And, uh, you know, a couple of times doing that oh. next to you know he's gone, you know, <laughs> and it's like, Oh, oh he's gone, you know, <laughs> but, um, it's just, I, I think more, it's more probably stuff like that. People live in Florida. You're like, man, it's beautiful outside. I'm going to just put my reptile outside for a little bit. And next thing you know, I think it's gone, you know? Yeah. It's not, I don't think it's, I don't mm. think a lot of it is intentional. I think it's, it's stuff like that. It's on, you live in it. Go ahead. And, and, and is it true that a, um, a lot of the larger facilities, when they get hit by the hurricanes, they have a, a, an enormous amount of escapes. Uh, Does that happen? I, I heard, um, what often? I heard rumor is um, it was something big in Miami airport or something like that. It may have been Andrew or another hurricane that caused a lot of escapees or something like that. But, I, but I'm not really sure. I, you know, I don't think anyone is a hundred percent sure. So, but yeah, so I lived in Florida most of my life. I, mm -hmm. I started off with, um, just catching reptiles, lizards and alligators and turtles and, uh, uh, iguanas and stuff like that. Um, I started breeding, um, chameleons and then I started breeding, uh, ball pythons. I did ball pythons for a while. Um, then I got to a point where I, I can't really do that stuff anymore. I had to, I had to just go a different path in my life and I had to, I joined the army. So I moved to Kentucky and I'm like, man, you know, being in Kentucky, I really can't house reptiles. Um, so then after the army, I, I, I moved to North Carolina and I was just so infatuated always my whole life with reptiles, breeding reptiles and creating new morphs and new species, not new species, but just new, new, um, new anything, you know? Um, and, uh, <laughs> I realized, uh, that I need to find something that like, like you said in your first podcast, 
you really didn't have the space. I didn't really have the space. I need to find something that can be code tolerant, mm-hmm. not get sick, and also space, you know, um, and just mm-hmm. talking with people and doing some investigative work. Um, I went back to turtles earlier on when I was a young, young kid, you know, five, maybe through 10 years old, I collected red ear sliders and had them in the fish tank, you know, stuff like that. But I never was into the morph stuff until, uh, when I moved to North Carolina. Oh, okay. So when did all that morph, um, red ear slider breeding start? Um, I, I got really heavily into the the morph turtles in 2016 i've been doing about seven years now okay so and historically you know i hear about the mitch line and the and the and the you know this line and that line how how long has this been going on uh you know all these different morphs um, I, I remember when i was eight years old going to florida expos and uh like daytona and just other places down in fort lauderdale um and they had albino turtles back then. Um, I'm 38 years old. It, it oh. has to be 30 year plus. Uh, there's probably been morph turtles around. Maybe not as many as we have now. And I really I really feel like in 2016, yeah. 2017, it was kind of a boom on morph turtles. Um, uh, I think a lot of people for a long time had a mindset of this, this morph turtle is making me X amount of dollars. I don't want to take it out of rotation to try uh-huh. to make something new when I'm making plenty of money with this right now. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. it, it, I think it was going that way for a real long time. And people like myself started getting into the community and we had that ball Python mentality. Like my, my first season immediately, I bought several different morph turtles and I'm like, my goal is to turn these turtles mm-hmm. to breed them to uh to create something new i i never wanted to create a new caram or uh, a caramel or albinos or my getting into the community was i'm making something new like that's just how ball python people yeah, are yeah the the combination it's... of the morphs and the morph <laughs> stacking and corn snakes are the same yeah. way i mean it's when you have that much genetic uh makeup and and phenotypical uh-huh. display to play with you you tend to play with it Mm-hmm. So how many different morphs do you have now, Mike? Uh, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Um, <laughs> I probably have about 100 adult breeders. Nice. But, but, but I'm not really sure. Oh, on, wow. You know, over the years, I probably had them all. But uh, something you guys talked about early, um, your first episode is people selling stuff. And what, what is the reason for why they're selling stuff? You know, um, I sold a lot of adult turtles mm-hmm. just because, like, I bought the animal as a, a mm-hmm. hatchling or a juvenile, and as it got bigger, I'm like, I just don't want to work with this anymore. Yeah. Or I've seen uh, different combos with the animal, and I'm just, or I just, uh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to do a different route. You know what I mean? Just tired of the project and moving forward. I understand oh. that. Yeah. And, so, and um, I, yeah, I feel like yeah. I came off a little wrong on that, but. Well, no, you're right. Some people uh, dump animals, just dump them. But there, there are people out there that are just transitioning, and it could be an opportunity for you to pick up something cool for a good price, or uh, 
that someone already raised up and they're just like, you know what, this just isn't working for me, but it's what you're looking for. You know yeah, what I mean? And people move on projects like that all the time. I think it's more, you need to trust who you're, who you're dealing with. No, I agree. A thousand percent. Make sure. And that, that, that's my biggest thing yeah. in this community is, uh, I only have my name and my word. Once you, once you screw that up, that you're done. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? And I'm, I'm very, a lot yeah, of people in the yeah. community, um, I take care of them. If I send them something, things happen. I'm only human. Uh, I send you something that mm-hmm. it's not doing well or doesn't do well. I try to make sure I have enough stock mm-hmm. to replace the animal or just refu- refund you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of people don't do that. And a lot of people do do that. But like you said, it's all on who you know and who, who you mm-hmm. want to buy from, you know. Yeah. So, But, yeah, I, I, I went down a line of just different things. Uh, like I said, I'm originally a, a ball python guy. So a lot of things – I try to create my own line. I'm trying to do my own thing. Yeah. So uh-huh. do I work with other people's lines and mm-hmm. other people's creations to try to like do what I'm doing? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Now, um, what you know, do you do you, breeders that really, um, you know, your intent is to create that one new thing and to make money on it. Is it, do you keep that uh, secret of what you're I, trying to achieve? I think a lot of achieve? people do, but I'm, I'm just not that way. I'm not a big secret guy. Um, I I got on Instagram to share my turtles, to show you what I got. And a lot of people, I feel like, like I said, 2016 to 2018, a lot of people's perspectives and mentality changed because people like me, we started showing stuff what we had. We started mm-hmm. showing projects we're doing. And I kind of feel like it made them uh, compelled uh-huh. to try to keep up with that, to say, hey, we're also doing that. You know what I mean? We're not stagnant. And to me, like, if I have a crazy, Mm -hmm. super rare turtle or snake or any species, I'm not going to keep that in a dungeon and not share it. I want the world to see it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and a lot of people like myself, and I'm going to say a lot of the, I'm going to call them the bigger guys because they got more of a facility Mm -hmm. and they're doing thousands of turtles versus a couple hundred. You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. so anyone that breeds reptiles, has to understand when it comes to a market and a being competitive, you have to have some sort of secrecy so you can just pop up and be like, I have this turtle or I have this snake and you have a customer base for two or three years before someone can replicate what you've done. If you give out yeah. too much information, yeah, yeah. someone's going to replicate what you're doing and they could just be an average guy, like an average hobbyist. And now that animal in that market is worth, let's just say, $2,500. And you have that average guy, and he's like, I don't want to make $2,500. I just want to make back the 300 I made on these turtles. You know what I mean? And now he's undercutting the market. By a tremendous amount. So a lot of people keep a lot of things super secret, uh, mainly so they can maintain a market for multiple years, um, things like that. that. That's why people keep things secret. Um, but to me – bring it on that's my mindset i'm like i'm very i'm very competitive i'm very like (laughs) let's go um you want to try to beat me let's do it dude let's see who goes first you know um that's how i am and i'm I'm not afraid to sit i'm not afraid to put what i'm breeding i'm not afraid to show you what heads i got because to me it's at the end of the day is the money good absolutely when when you create something new and the Mm -hmm. world hasn't seen but that new thing that the world hasn't seen Mm -hmm. like i was kind of talk i was trying to talk to you a couple days ago is it may not be cool enough for someone mm-hmm. to want to buy it. So now you have you yeah. have something cool and new, oh, yeah. but it's like, eh, it's okay. Yeah. 
But what? Yeah. Yeah. What Mike and I were talking about is, you know, I, I was, you know, I, I've enjoyed photographing turtles and I'd have a few, you know, and then I, I rescued that egg clutch and out came this clown and, you know, and, you know, I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> you know? And, you know, me being a naive hobbyist, you know, with only, you know, four turtles at home. Um, now all of a sudden I've, I've got this mystery and I started putting it out in the world. And Mike was one that responded, you know, like, you know, um, there, well, there were breeders contacting me all over the world, offering me a, a lot more than 2,500 for this turtle. And, and the, the curiosity, uh, you know, my scientific curiosity has always been huge since I could crawl and pick up bugs. And, you know, it was, I go, okay, I, I've got to understand this because, you know, the, you know, the breeders were telling me, you know, it could be genetically viable. It may not be, you never know. And so, I mean, just the you know, the what ifs, you know, on, on this. And so I can about imagine like what you guys go through is, you know, like what, what you've showed just, I think it was just this breeding season where a morph came out that surprised oh, of course. you. And that's just <laughs> you know? the luck of the odd, you know, you, you may you know? hit some that, and that's, let me tell you something, like I said about the money is good, but what's even better is beating the rest of the community to something new right? and to have brag and bragging rights <laughs> and to be like, I created this, yeah. Um, even if it isn't a wow factor, like I told you before, like if it's not like crazy wow, but you were the first one to create it. Every reptile, every ball, pyth ball python person, every chameleon, every any breeder out there wants to be the first to create something. They want to get that recognition of I did this, mm -hmm. I put the work in, I I discovered something that you overlooked, you know. Uh, and with me, mainly that's what mm -hmm. it is. It's mainly I just want to create something new every year or every every couple of years. Um, and I want it to have a wow factor. Um, and if it doesn't have a wow factor, yeah. I'll take that entire breeding pond and I'll just move them out. It, it has nothing to do. It has nothing to do with, oh. that's just who I am. Um, as a breeder, I just, mm -hmm. I can't, I want the coolest stuff. You know what I mean? Right. No, and if it's not, if it's <laughs> not on the level of, yeah. that I want it to be, I'll, I'll move the whole entire breeding group out. I just let it go. You know, um, t Hey man, this is what you enjoy. You enjoy mm -hmm. this kind of stuff. Here's an opportunity for you to acquire this. You know what I mean? Um, that's just what I do. Yeah. Uh, some people don't do that. Some people hold certain groups, even if it's not a wild factor for many years, it's just, every, everyone's different, you know, but me, my drive is, mm -hmm. I need something that is incredibly awesome. Uh, and, and the wow factor mm -hmm. always, you know, Mm -hmm. how, how many of your buyers are, say, like what I would call myself, that just want this absolutely wow turtle in their show tank, in their living room, and not really much of an intention to breed, but just to enjoy and to show off to their uh, dinner guests? So here, here's something I didn't mention. Um, I, I am North Carolina's first turtle farmer. Okay. And, um, That's pretty cool. Part of my agreement yeah. with North Carolina is because North Carolina is very protective of their, their native species um, is I am not allowed to sell mm -hmm. locally. Um, most of my sales mm -hmm. are overseas. Um, and if oh. I do sell, I, I have to sell outside of my state and it has to be <clears throat> obviously four inches or above. Um, so mm -hmm. I, most of my customers are, are foreign, foreign buyers. That's... Oh, okay. And do you buy from 
um, from some of those same uh, that same network? So I have a lot of customers, foreign, um, and they 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 will promise you things, but it's not as recipient. Like it's not. How do I say this? Um, it doesn't really go through a lot <laughs> because. Oh. I, I think it's more so of the competition as well. As I said, they're very competitive as well. And it's kind of like if I sell this person mm-hmm. what we have, now they have it, and now there's a competition. It's, I'm telling you, turtles, ball pythons, and a lot of the, the bigger reptiles are very competitive people. And that's why they, and that's why you're getting offers. Oh, yeah. you, you probably got offers from 5000 to $10,000 for that turtle originally. And it's yeah. not because – uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> man, how do I say this? It's more for the competition of this animal is something new. This animal is bright. This animal looks like nothing that's been hatched so far. This could be my new line. And I can put and my I, name on it. Exactly. And I will be it, eternalized so, forever yeah. with this Exactly. Morph. So that $10,000 <laughs> for eternal praising and eternal Mike line, Western painted turtle clown. That's $10,000 is easy. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> it's that's yeah. That's why a lot of people wanted uh, that turtle yeah. is mainly because it's, it, it's because of that. It could give them that breakthrough morph or name mm-hmm. that they're looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I'm kind of, you know, because it is, you know, uh, I think it was you and maybe a couple of other U.S. breeders that had told me that, you know, sometimes these morphs end up as dwarfs. They don't grow fast what? or, you know, they it takes them forever to get to breeding size. And I, I, I noticed right within like the first two months that this, the clown wasn't maturing as fast as all of its siblings that were yeah. normal wild color. And I thought, oh, yeah, you know, because we have, you know, I used to be a horse breeder and I used to breed for unusual color. And sometimes when you have those color genes switched off, you know, as we learned in genetics, neighboring genes are also switched off that are, you know, um, really important biochemical pathways. And so it could lead to, you know, not a malabsorption of nutrients and thus dwarfism. I wouldn't say dwarfism. I would, because I don't think I've ever seen a dwarf turtle, but I have seen a turtle that just takes mm-hmm. an extremely long time to catch up. I call it catch up, because um, all turtles will eventually catch up. Okay. Um, it just takes that turtle maybe five years instead of three years. You know what I mean? And you have, and you have a male that that did that late transition in yeah, five it was years, didn't you? Maybe even six years. I, I, I honestly don't remember. Anywhere from five to six years, it finally became a male. And most males within a certain mm-hmm. inch range, uh, let's just say the average adult is five inches, normally three to three and a half, maybe four inches late, they'll start showing us what they are. Mm-hmm. So, so, yeah, he took – he actually yeah. had to take um, – he actually had to um, – be hibernated and after he came out of hibernation he started showing as a male oh boy i'd be so afraid to hibernate my clown yeah, and that's the, that's the other thing to me I'm, I'm like a lot of people ask me like dude you got this x amount of dollar turtle and you're actually putting it outside and the water temperature is 31 degrees and my, my my thought on it is 
if it's going to die, it's going to die. As in, if I hibernate or not, this is natural for this animal. This is what this animal uh, does. And if it dies in those, if mm -hmm. I if I do everything that I'm supposed to do for my climate, uh, for that type of turtle, and I do it correctly, it should it should survive many many years because I'm replicating as best as I can as its natural environment, right? Um, so if it's going to die in a hibernation state, the animal just wasn't meant to live. In my, my opinion, I think genetically right. it, it just wasn't meant to continue on its life. It's going to, it's going to perish. So that's just my, my opinion on it. Like I'm just, mm -hmm. if it dies, it was going to eventually die anyways, but if it survives the winter, yeah. I, in my mind, this thing is good to go for many, many, many years. See, what, what I do is kind of like a, just a, a very, very slight brumation is like, you know, um, usually the turtles here, um, unbelievable in South Dakota, but they, they start to emerge in late March. You'll see them bask and then all of a sudden it will ice over. We'll have another blizzard or two or three. And usually by um, April, we'll, we'll start having consistent open water, sometimes as late as May. And last year we had a really long, late, ice filled spring. But what I, what I did, um, since I knew I had a female that finally reached maturity and then, um, with the clown's brother, you know, I, I simply, you know, um, turned off all the heat in their tank and we keep our, our little log cabin cold and just use wood stove heat. Mostly. Um, I let their tanks get down to 50 degrees and, and that's when they locked, um, uh, which, you know, for those of you out there, it means they mated. Um, uh, and then, um, uh, you know, then, and sure enough, um, she started, I could palpate eggs come, um, well, I think it was come, it took her till July, I think it was. And she wouldn't lay and she wouldn't lay, you know, new mama. And so I took her to the vet and had her oxy, you know, um, oxytocin and she released the eggs, but, she kicked them as they came out and broke every one of them. <laughs> and, and so some breeders are telling me, yeah, that could be normal for first years or whatever. And then, and then on the second clutch, I mean, within three weeks, she was laying again and she laid them normally. Well, then um, weeks went by and all of a sudden October's here and I, you know, she's acting, you know, by this time I brought them in because things were starting to freeze out there. And she started pacing the tank and pacing the tank. I go, you've got to be kidding. So I palpated her, and sure enough, she had eggs again. And I tried to get her to lay, but she just wouldn't. I mean, I brought, I made a nest box indoors, you name it. I go, oh, okay, here we go again, you know, more oxy. And, uh, and so she, she laid, in, you know, so it was um, five eggs the first clutch, four the second, five the, and she broke all the ones on the, that came out, you know, with the oxy. And I think I talked to the, the breeders that I, you know, talk to a lot and they said, yeah, you know, the oxy tends to make things go really fast and maybe more painful. And she just, you know, just kicking them as they were coming out. <laughs> and, uh, so yeah, I only had, so out of what was that 14 eggs, I only had two that were not cracked and they hatched and, you know, they, they look like standard Western paintings, um, brightly colored because both have some really nice markings, but that's, you know, so that, that's my first year of nice, breeding. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, yeah, so I know, um, what the first year you were breeding turtles, um, 
how how many pairs did you um, have? I'm I don't remember exactly how many I had, but I think I had two or three females lay um, my first season ever, um, and it was pretty awesome because those those turtles at the time were selling really well, and and I ended up mm-hmm. paying off all my investments, my turtles. Uh, and then paying myself and I'm like, wow, this is great. You know, <laughs> I'm like, this is, <laughs> and what more, at the time it was like 2016, that? 2017, uh, there were caramels and there were charcoals, but I was mainly trying to mm. cross them. But, um, mm-hmm. so something to bring up real quick is, um, something you guys also mentioned too, in the, in your first video on, uh, how some animals just won't lay and some animals may never lay. Um, I actually got these turtles from uh, someone I met in the community. They had the turtles for about four years, and mm-hmm. they've never gotten a single egg from the turtles. Spent a lot of money. On, yeah, they spent a lot of money on the turtles. Oh. Never had any success. I got them, and immediately within six months, they were laying and giving me eggs, and I was making all kind of I, I have, baby, baby turtles. I've heard that shipping will do that sometimes. No. I, I See, here's my thing. This is my theory on it. Um Mm-hmm. Uh, housing is everything. If you're housing mm-hmm. something that it's not comfortable in to reproduce in, it's it's not going to want to reproduce. You know, even though some turtles do mm-hmm. develop follicles every year, over and over again, <clears throat> but some don't. Mm-hmm. I've had many breeder adults mm-hmm. just not lay at all, and then the following they maybe take a year off mm-hmm. or take two years off, um, but then they start laying again. I, I believe it's more on how they're housed, um, and and if they feel comfortable. If you got them in clear water, fish tank, and a, a little area for sand, mm-hmm. most likely it's probably not going to mm-hmm. want to breed and lay eggs in that. Um, th- there's a couple of theories out there on turtles right. on how to get them to grow quicker and uh, very similar to fish. I kind of believe it a little bit as in mm-hmm. – um, so there's a theory on like if there are so many fish in a pond – the fish will only grow so big because they release a hormone in the water, correct? Um, <clears throat> so what yeah, a lot of fish uh, breeders would do with multiple water changes, multiple water changes, and they're purging that hormone out of the water and allows like koi fish to grow bigger. Mm-hmm. I believe, and like I said, mm-hmm. I, this is just my theory. I believe it's very similar when it comes to breeding and growing uh, because turtles use their mouth a lot to taste and find food. And to find females in murky water, yes. they use their mouth to find food and females in murky water. So why wouldn't they also use their mouth to determine, hey, this pond is overpopulated or um, and, and not want to breed? You know what I mean? Or, or grow to yeah, a certain yeah, size. Yeah, hey, you know what? I, 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 if I get too big, I'm going to starve myself. And like I said, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh-huh. Just from what I've seen over the years and just some people I've spoke to, they kind of believe stuff like that. And, and like I said, a lot of stuff in the community is um, your opinion, uh, your knowledge, and your experiences. Uh, and I could tell a guy this, and he's like, dude, you're crazy. I, I've, never, I've never had that issue. I, this, is, this is what I do. And I've, you know I me. Mean? And I talked to another guy, and he's like, I had something similar. You know, so it's – you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, 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 you know, that calls up the friend of mine that, you know, she had these two huge sliders and I go, and they got that big in a 40 gallon. 
and you didn't want to, you know, get a 75 gallon or something. And she goes, well, I eventually just put a stock tank down. But, in the basement. but they got that big, they got but, that big, you know, she do a lot of water changes. So that's, yeah, so she's, maybe she's like me where, they, you know, we, we, yeah, we keep a schedule and, and, and then we also run, you know, double, if yeah. not triple the, the recommended. Yeah, I'm a big believer in water changes. Know? A lot of, I got criticized one time that water changes are bad. Um, yeah, I got the criticized turtles? that my water is too green. They're living in filth. Um, just people mm. without any experience or knowledge trying to enter a community and act like they know everything. There's a lot of people like that in every community. Yeah. You know what I mean? Back in back in the day, it used to be like the four more yeah, years, I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's like, it, uh, dude, green water may work for me, but it may not work for you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it, it's like you said in the very beginning of your, your first podcast, it's whatever works for you and in your climate and your environment keep keep chugging along make that work you know just because this guy's doing something and and you're like man i'm really struggling mm -hmm. try it out but if it doesn't work you don't got to stick with that that's not that's not there's no rule book you know yeah yeah now i i can't remember that like you know that what you hatched that was so um unique um I uh, think it was this past year's two hatch, years i've hatched so a couple random you, i call them and most people will call them like a random hatch um, I've hatched in the past uh -huh. two years, about three or four new morph combos. Um, and then in the past two or two or three years, I've also hatched like two to three random, something different, something unique, um, turtle. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not really sure. There's been a couple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can see those on your Instagram page. Yeah. I post everything on my Instagram. Everything is through my Instagram. I like to share and just I want more people to see what's possible in the community and I want more people to join the community and I want more people to create new stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, and, and, and your Instagram page, um, that is Mike's aquatics, correct? Yeah. Uh, My, Mike's underscore aquatics 12. Yeah. 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 Cause it, it I, I, you know, when I'm going to sleep at night, what really relaxes me is looking at um, turtle pictures. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, you know, and it just, it, uh, yeah, instead of reading, you know, whatever, it's like, okay, this relaxes me. And, and yeah, it's fun to see what you guys are yeah. creating. And did that, as that turtle is, is growing, has it maintained its morph characteristics? Uh, it, you know, most of those random hatches, like, like I said, if I'm not really like into it and I'm just like, okay, this is cool. I'll just, I'll let it go to someone else, maybe another breeder or a customer. It's got to really like, man, okay, this is something very unique, something different. I think I'm going to work with it because the thing is, I'm going to tell a lot of your listeners is the reason why I believe in that policy is turtles take so much time, <laughs> yeah. so much space. And if I collected every freaking turtle that I thought was unique, I would need, I would need 20 acres and I, I would be 90 years old before I proved them all out. So you have to be very selective on something that is just what you like. Like you guys said earlier in your first podcast, 
do do this because you like it. Don't do this because you're like, I can make a thousand dollars per turtle, because you're gonna spend two thousand for a male and female, and it's gonna be four years later, and you're gonna have spent uh, twenty five hundred more dollars on setups and food and hatch uh, not a single turtle, and you're gonna be yeah. like, this is horrible. Do, <laughs> do it because you enjoy it. Do it because you're having fun. And man, if you can dial in your setups and you can hatch a whole bunch of cool turtles and make money, then yeah, make some money. But if you if people are diving into this to make money, it's it's not going to work out for you. I'm telling you right now because you're gonna you're gonna lose turtles, you're gonna get sick animals, you're gonna have turtles drown, turtles may not breed, and you're gonna invest a lot of money and time and be like, man, I thought this was gonna be profitable, and <laughs> you can't have that mentality. Mm-hmm. So yeah, are you are you ahead. only keeping eastern or uh, are you only keeping red ear sliders then? Is that uh, I, I've tried them all. I, I keep map turtles, Mississippi maps. I have Eastern painted turtles. I have, I had cooters at one point. I had a breed alone. Um, I have sliders. Uh, what else do I got? The box turtles. Box turtles. I got some box turtles. I, I've had all different crazy types of box turtles and the box turtles. The, the reason why a, a lot of people ask me this, I'll just say now in this podcast, um, it just was wearing me out. It was just like turtles. I, I want to stress this again. Turtles consume so much time, <laughs> so much time. Yes. And I have three kids and a wife. And when you're hand feeding a turtle every day, uh, when you're feeding hundreds of turtles every day, when you're collecting eggs every day, when you're incubating, when you're, it is so much time consumption mm-hmm. that you need to have that <laughs> that that serious talk with yourself and be like, I have to let this go, or I have to separate, or I have to just focus on this, and and I can't every freaking turtle that pops out that looks amazing, I can't just right. collect it, give it to someone else. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. I, I was hand feeding box turtles. I hand feed it. I had an, an albino three toed box turtle. I've had albino mm-hmm. eastern box turtles i've had hypo box turtles and i am very my focus is the animal um mm-hmm. always make sure the animal is healthy and happy if the animal is not happy it's not going to perform it's not going to grow it's not going to breed that's my theory oh, yeah. so mm-hmm. it was to the point of two years every freaking day i was hand feeding um for probably about 30 40 minutes my albino three-toed and it was uh-huh. just it was just literally just wearing me out. And my whole project is based on three toads because I, I just proved out my opinion. This is just me saying this and multiple other bigger breeders, uh, world first uh, proven hypo three toad. Uh, there are other mm-hmm. hypo three toads out there, but there's a big difference between taking that hypo, breeding it with a normal with a high coloration getting heads, raising those heads, breeding those heads back to the visual and creating that animal again, replicating it versus Mm -hmm. having a group of turtles and every other year one pops out. That's not proven. That's not a proven gene. You know what I mean? And a lot of people want to try to discredit me and say, "Uh, there's already a hypo out there. Show me every year where they're hatching one. Show me Mm -hmm. their breeding group. Show me the proof. On my Instagram, I have it all. 
I have everything, collecting eggs. That's another thing that I do very well is I document and I show everything, anything new or big. I'm letting you know how I'm doing it, why I'm doing it. And so I can show proof that I'm the one who created this. Oh, so you are keeping, um, how would you say, uh, avoiding being over-turtled so that you can concentrate. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Earlier on, I was so consumed with uh, how incredible all the turtles are. And every, just like every reptile person out there, we're all visual people. And uh, that's why we love reptiles and we love color mutations. And even if you're not a color mutation person, you love the turtle because of how it looks or the snake or whatever it may be, the chameleon or the lizard. You love how it looks, how it moves, how it, you know, and I was so consumed. I was just, um, I I just had too many turtles and I was just extremely burnt out. And I'm like, I'm doing this because I love it. Um, And it's just, I'm getting wore out and I'm just, I have no time. All my time is turtles. And my (laughs) wife's like, dude, can you give the turtles? Can can you give the turtles? I'm like, I got to go check my turtles or I got to go feed feed my turtles. She's like, oh my goodness, dude. Like, you know, (laughs) is this a job or is this a hobby? And I'm like, it's both, you know? And, um, but it became a point where I was literally getting wore out from hand feeding and scrubbing the shell and mixing. It's, you know, this is just one turtle I'm dealing with and I have hundreds of turtles and some other turtles may need special care too. And it's just coming to a point of just, I I need to really sit back and be like, this is an, an incredible project. This is like groundbreaking stuff, but maybe I can give it, to someone that's going to just mm-hmm. love the turtle for itself and yeah. not, you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Give it undivided. Det- I, I only sell rare and very awesome turtles like that to certain people. I don't just say right. who's going to pay me the most money. Uh, I, I find these very uh, unique individuals. And then between them, I say, who's going to pay me the most money? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I'm just not going to throw an animal like that. If someone offered me, Let's just say it was ten thousand dollars more, but I don't know that person, and I don't, and I, and or if I did know them, and their their uh, husbandry wasn't as good as this yeah. person, I'm not going to sell to you. I, I just I want that animal to reproduce. I want the animal to grow. I want mm-hmm. there to be more of them. Yeah. You know, right? You want to give it to somebody who's going to actually further on the project and make a name for their yeah. themselves with the turtle. I yeah, understand we- that. Yeah, absolutely. Like everything with me is if, if there's something new, I, I want to replicate that animal. I want to make more of them yeah. to share with other people. Well, that's what um, I'm going to be doing too with, you know, the, all you know, these possible hits that are coming out of the clown's brother, you know, bred to, you know, what I'm assuming is, you know, complete wild type. Although she does seem to be a, a, a cross between a, a Midland and a Western but it's like I'm I'm over turtled. I'm only going to keep a, a, a few of those crosses and then breed them back to the clown's brother. And I, I've given away a couple of the clown's brothers, you know, because here in South Dakota, we can't sell turtles. I mean, that's um, and they, they need to clarify that law. It's in their fishing handbook. But I, so then I, I asked the game and fish, I go, are yeah. you saying we can't sell the turtles that we catch with our fishing license? Or we can't sell turtles like we buy from Petco and we don't want to keep it and I can't sell that. No, you have to give it away. See, 
that's the thing about uh, turtle laws, because if you're going to be a turtle breeder, you have to know laws and you have to know where to find laws because you can get in some yeah. serious trouble real quick. Uh, if you have a customer, uh, that's why I normally don't deal with a lot of public. Uh, I normally post for other breeders, uh, like their sales ad, and uh, they they know the, the consequences and they know their rules. Uh, a lot of the people that I post for, if you see me posting an ad, they these are people I trust and I respect. Like I said, my name and my mm -hmm. reputation is all I have. I'm not going to just put someone's name out there and then th them get me in trouble or yeah. get themselves in trouble. Um, so the thing is, is turtle laws are very gray and they're meant to be gray. So at any point in time, the officials uh, guarding those laws can alter and change and be like, well, this oh. is what we meant. This is not, you know what I mean? That's, yeah. that's why the laws are that way. So when they go to prosecute you, they're like, this is what the law <laughs> meant. You just misinterpreted yeah. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. They they do that on purpose so they can manipulate and maneuver the law when they mm -hmm. when they need to maneuver it. I had a lot of um, friction and a lot of it took me two years to become uh, North Carolina's first turtle breeder. Uh, like I said, the state really uh, protects its native species, and they they put a lot of ground rules. And I had to show them uh, why why I'm doing this, how I'm doing this how I'm preventing escapes, how I'm uh, all types of stuff. Yeah. And I respect that. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, everything's open, mm -hmm. open book. Like you want to come to my house and inspect drain upon, look what I got. I got a document on my turtles. I got to tell them who I sent the turtles to. I got, I got to tell them how many turtles mm -hmm. I shipped out all of that stuff. And, and I appreciate my state for allowing me to do what I do and give me a license. Um, because they didn't have to do that. They could just be like, you know what? Nope, no turtles. Bam, yeah. and shut the door on me, you know? Yeah, that's that's uh, I uh, that's what I wanted to do too. I mean, um, you know, we were, you know, we were, you were allowed to fish, you know, our and, and catch turtles. Um, I, I was surprised with our western painted two a day, but um, four is the max you can catch per day. Um, that seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, but then <laughs> and, and possession limit of four, you know, so you know, so I, I didn't have more than, you know, four, um, you know, Western paintings. And then when the clown clutch happened, it's like, okay, I got to start giving some of these away, you know, the brothers. Well, well, like I said, that law is gray and a lot of those laws are the same. Normally it says four, like my, my mm -hmm. state, I believe is five, five per person mm -hmm. per household. So if you got yeah, two people in your house, that's 10. Uh, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> that's great. It's a great law. But, it's, you know, it's yeah, that's why we buy, so. you know, our fishing license every year. Plus, I have that scientific collector's permit because I'm always moving turtles around yeah. that I'm rescuing, you know, now with the guidance of the, the biologists <laughs> of the state. And, like, you know, they want to make a, a nice video of the release and all that fun stuff. And, and it does encourage more people to let us know if there's a population in trouble because their stock dam is drying up or... You know, and, and all these turtles are, you know, heading out in the road and getting squashed. And, you know, so it, it is it is good to, yeah. to work with your local game and fish. And, I mean, I've turned in elk poachers, you know, when I worked, when I used to work for the South Dakota Game Fishing Parks. And, and so, and then with the Forest Service, you know, catching elk poachers, you know, doing their dastardly deeds. And, and so, um, 
but you know, it, we, it doesn't seem like, you know, I know in our rapid city area, more people are into lizards and snakes and not that many are really into turtles. So I think a lot of people are not into turtles. Uh, I, I call it obviously state, I call it stateside based. When I talk, I say, you know, stateside based people are just mm-hmm. not really into turtles. I think mainly because of the astigmatism of salmonella and the the whole four inch law. And there's a lot of, um, couple, you know, in the nineties, there's a lot mm-hmm. of bad stuff about turtles and they just, they kind of, they were real big in the nineties. Like I said, growing yeah. up, everyone I knew had a turtle. Um, and then they just, for whatever reason, they, they kind of just squashed that with the salmonella mm-hmm. and four inch law and yeah. things like that. So, and there's a lot of rules and uh, every state is different. So if you're going to get into turtles, make sure you understand those laws and rules. Make sure you do your research uh, because when when they come knocking, they're 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 not going to accept. I didn't know, mm-hmm. or this was a mistake. You know what I mean? Some of those laws are federal laws, um, and you're going to be in yeah. some a world of hurt. And it's it's not worth <laughs> going to jail for a turtle. I'm just gonna, I tell that to a lot of people. That's my cat. A lot of people know this from me. My catchphrase is when they when they contact me, and I'm like, it is definitely not worth going to prison for a freaking turtle. So now, do you have to, um, you know, you know where your cus- your customer is receiving shipment? Do you have to look into the state laws of every state that the turtle is going to pass through, or just no? Okay. It's a, it's a direct, and if it's not a direct, it's, uh, you know, there's a company a lot of people are aware of is ship your reptiles. I use them a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, they have an agreement with, uh, whoever it may be to ship these animals all over that where it's legal. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If a turtle lands in a state that it's illegal in, they would have to open that box and I, you know, I, I don't really know that that I'm not really sure on that to be completely honest with you, but like it's, it's in a box, it's packaged, it's sealed. It has that crest of ship your reptiles. It says a scientific name on it and this is where it's going. So it's, you know what I mean? Do you find it easier or, uh, with all the turtle laws to, to like maybe wholesale? Do you do wholesale at all? <clears throat> yeah. I, wholesale overseas. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it's, it's easier to do that, obviously. Yeah, obviously, yeah. And, and everyone and most breeders would prefer that, because the other the other issue too with re, we call it retail, uh, retailing an animal is you know you have this guy or a uh, gal that contacts you and they're like, I'm interested in your turtle, and you're like, okay, great, here's the price. They're like, okay, that's fine. Now send me a thousand pictures. Yeah. And you're like, dude, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, you give them a thousand pictures, and they're like, I'll get back to you. Oh my! And then, and then you got fifty other people doing that, mm-hmm. and you got twenty turtles in a bin, and they want you to pick up every freaking turtle and send them thirty pictures. Where oh when you do overseas, you send a group shot. You you your word and your your honor is all you got, mm-hmm. uh, and they trust you to send a product that they're looking for. And if it if they get a product. And it's it's not to par. Then you work some sort of an agreement on a credit or a replacement, or uh, just refund them their money. Mm-hmm. And it's that easy. Mm-hmm. Where, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Some 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 special or rare turtles, they're gonna want 
headshots or shell carapace plastrons they, they're going you know what i mean yeah. they're, they're going to ask for unique pictures but they're also buying thousand of them yeah so i'm i'm, I'm cool with that you know <laughs> Yeah, or no. some guy wants a hundred pictures of a fifty dollar turtle, yeah. and I'm like, dude, it's the same. It's an albino man, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so with a uh, with you not being able to sell in North Carolina, do you do like Daytona or anything like that? I don't. Okay. I don't. I don't do. I go to Daytona. Okay. Um, I don't. I'm not a real big booth guy, you know. Um. And like obviously, I'm not a big retail guy either. I just uh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I understand why. When you're dealing with all those laws, I wouldn't want to retail turtles either. And that's the issue too. Is um, so you know, sometimes your customer tries to be shady, uh, and then that could cost you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. I'm not going to take the risk of of doing that. You know, yeah. it's just not worth it. I, I just I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna get put in a position where I have to hire lawyers or uh, fight for my freedom over mm -hmm. it. Yeah, something you can e easily avoid. Right. Yeah, I, I, I. And I don't. I don't know the laws of every state. Right. So well, I don't know. Yeah, you know I mean, like your your state. I wasn't aware you weren't allowed to um, sell move any turtles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like I said, that could be something gray. Yeah. So my my thing is is like what I've run into. Um, becoming a turtle farmer in North Carolina is it, it's through the Department of Agriculture, um, Aquatic Agriculture. But the guy in charge of me is the chief herpologist of North Carolina. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so the chief herpologist of North Carolina speaks with the aquatic agriculture guy, the fish guy. Mm -hmm. And he tells, hey, Mike sold this many turtles. Mike hatched this many turtles. Mike had to euthanize this many turtles. Um, that's part of my agreement as well. I'm not allowed to release or if anything looks sickly in it and I can't treat it, I have to euthanize it and send them uh, how many turtles were euthanized, mm -hmm. all, all that stuff. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and what manner it was euthanized, all, all types of stuff like that. It's a lot of paperwork. Yeah. And, um, I'm about to fill out my scientific collector's permit. You know, what, you know, what ponds complete with you know, the GPS and, yeah. you know, that, that we rescued X amount of turtles, you know, from and, you know, where they were placed and according to GPS and, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. So I work with the, um, the, the, our regional fisheries guy in Rapid City, plus the head biologist at Custer State Park. And, you know, and because of my art business, you know, I, I realized like by just rescuing, you know, the, those, um, two clutches, that just over turtled me. So you know, it's not like, yeah, it's not yeah. like I want to get into this. Cause you know, then I was handed a, a blind, um, uh, box turtle. And luckily, I mean, he's really active. He seeks out his food and boy, he just snarfs it down. And I mean, he's really well adjusted. Um, the other, yeah. the, the other turtle I've had for now three years, mm -hmm. I, I still have to feed her like she's a baby bird, you know, by hand. And uh, it's getting to the point where, you know, do I euthanize her because, you know, she's, be, she's actually, um, you know, first she went, you know, she was run over by a car. She wouldn't use her front legs. Now she's not, then she regained the use of her front legs and quit using her back legs. And it's like, man, she has no life. You know? And, and those, those are the decisions as a keeper we have to make. Yeah. Um, I have friends of mine that can't do it and they just hold 
turtles for many, many, many years or whatever reptile they're dealing with. And the animal is not uh, competent to survive on its own. And I'm a big believer in uh, a way of life. Like I said, I make sure my animals have great lives. I make sure they can do all that good stuff. And if, and if the animal to me could not survive without me, mm-hmm. unless it was something super rare, like an albino three-toed or an albino Eastern, and it's just the, their eyes are so pink that when sun gets in there, they can't see that's something different. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's my, that's uh, like but, my eyes. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so if, if I have an animal that is not doing well or is severely injured, I, j- I do my best to nurse it. And I know a point to be like, this animal is not going to get any better in mm-hmm. his way. Life is compromised. Yeah. I, I have to, I have to euthanize him. Yeah. I, I, I think I've come to that with this female, you know, she's not going to be able to produce eggs. You know, she's, you know, which, you know, for the art population of box turtles, it's really, you know, the game and fish want me to have an assurance colony. And we were going to use her to, you know, like, well, maybe she's, you know, at least can breed. Well, I don't even think she could pass eggs, you know? So. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put her through that. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my decision this year is, you know, to free her. The way I euthanize is I've done it with snakes as well. And I've just, this is just talking to breeders. And actually they suggested just to me, the, uh, like I said, the chief herbologist, we spoke about euthanization and things like that. What is more humane? Mm -hmm. Uh, They recommend in a bin and just free freezing them yeah because it's kind of like they just slowly cool down and they slowly go to sleep and then they yes. they perish yeah and that's what i had to do for a, another road injured turtle i could tell that the major organs were you know yeah not there and so yeah that's what i did I, you know about the end of the, the summer one nice you know so yeah I, yeah i don't like i don't like doing that I, i'm not you know what i mean i just i want people to know that's it's it's part of of being a breeder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know, I think it's time, you know, that I, you know, I'm preparing myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, I said in the first episode, when you play with life, you play with death. Yeah. So, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Well, and that's one thing too, you know, rescuing, you know, what I'm finding out about these egg road rescues, you know, I, um, you know, they, they come out with, um, scoots that are abnormal. They, out of the two eggs that were rescued this year from road killed females, you know, they're the two ones that have the, the shell, ab, you know, if you call them abnormalities or differences. The one is really pretty. It has like triple the amount of mapping that I've ever, ever seen on, you know, a painted turtle. Um, but then she only has three caudal scoots instead of four on one side and only four vertebral scoots instead of five, but her shell is, um, growing smooth and, and normally shaped. And, um, and then her sister has one extra six vertebral scoots instead of five, but all the others that, you know, um, out of the one turtle I helped cross the road, then noticed she had horrible, um, to the, you know, almost to you know, her, her abdominal cavity, um, type of, um, shell rot. So I brought her to the vet, like, you know, what do you do with this? I've never seen this, you know, I've seen abrasions on shells, but this one spot, you know, and so he, he helped me pull her through and he goes, well, she's carrying eggs. So let's pop her. And so then I had her eggs to incubate and all those eggs came out really healthy and normal scoots. And, you know, like, what is it about these, 
you know, these eggs cooking on the road, <laughs> you know, where the, the turtles come out so weird. <laughs> and, you know, and that's, you know, that's. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of rumor in that as well. Uh, some people say it's too hot, um, not enough humidity, maybe not enough oxygen mm -hmm. as the egg is developing. Uh, we call it extra scoot and we call it split scoot. Mm -hmm. um, but I just, I honestly don't know. I, and then sometimes like a newer combo with multiple genes in the animal, you'll get a lot more of that stuff too because maybe uh, the animal just I, – I honestly feel like when it comes to turtles, they're not like ball pythons. Mm -hmm. And turtles, the more genes you add into them, the more issues that occurs – split scoots or imperfections spine hmm. issues or really that's, that's just, just my, my opinion yeah that's just the and, opposite uh, of you know hybrid vigor you know that you would you would have more vigor you know like if you crossed a midland painted with an eastern <clears> painted you'd <throat> think you'd have an individual that wasn't you know you know interbred and so it has yeah more vigor I, I just don't know. I, I, I always – this is just my opinion. My opinion could be wrong. Uh, I, f I feel like genetically, I feel like turtles are just weaker uh -huh. when it comes to multiple mutations inside of them. Oh, yeah. that That's definitely true. I know that. We studied that in genetics. <laughs> are, are most yeah. of the genetics in turtles recessive or – Yes, okay. recessive. That, that could I, be another issue because I know with snakes, like – the line breeding into producing those and then not outcrossing and in multiple yeah. generations can really, really and, mess things that, up too. And that's the thing. What I was saying earlier is if you're going to work with something, make sure you can commit the time. Yes. Just, just, you know, let me give you, let me give you a quick example. You, you find this box turtle, box turtles are the worst. <laughs> you're, you're looking at six year plus before you're producing. Mm-hmm. And then when you produce, you got another six years plus to breed. You're looking at anywhere from, you know, if you're quick enough, let's let's just say you're quick enough. Let's just say four to uh, 12 years to produce something new, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and then that new thing you produce. Now you got to outcross it. Mm -hmm. You have to outcross it. Yeah. If not, you're, and, and that, dude, that's going to take you another 12 years. To, it's going to yeah. take you 24 years <laughs> to make something outcross. Yeah. <laughs> Turtle, and that's why turtles and that's take why a long time. Yeah. And that's why turtles <laughs> and, and but that's why turtles are so valuable mm -hmm. is because it takes so long. So I feel like a lot of people are willing to pay more money for something that they appreciate. Man, man, you see that Mitch combo mm -hmm. took Mitch probably eight years to make that. Yeah. Wow. So it's like when Mitch when Mitch demands a price, you have to respect that. Like, man, it, yeah. it took this guy eight years of his life dedicated to make this incredible animal, mm -hmm. well, you know? Yeah, and I've, I've talked with, you know, some, um, new, I would call them new entry turtle breeders. And, um, one was saying, well, well, you just can't dicker with that guy. And I said, well, you know, I sell fine art and I mean, I sell art for lots of money and because, you know, not only my art, you know, years of studying, art technique but then because it's art of a wildlife nature you know throw in all the the five years of um collegiate studies in animal behavior and you know um you know and into the knowledge of the sculpture like you don't 
you don't put polished antlers on a buck when it's its neck is not swollen and rut, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, and, and you don't have a, you know, uh, yeah, you know, all these kind of things that when I was participating in the wildlife art shows, I go, Oh, well, that guy's a great painter, but he doesn't know his wildlife, you know? So, you know, it, I, I look at my artworks, like I put in the same amount of years of field studies and book studies and, you know, in both wildlife and, and, you know, and, and the, art technique itself like i've got a, a the schooling of a surgeon why shouldn't i charge what a surgeon would charge for an operation you know in this one-of-a-kind painting or in this you know this rare bronze so you know. yeah no i agree i agree it's, it's a work of art both you know reader and uh artist yeah i mean and so uh, and i i think because of you know that's how i make my living as as an artist and and why these turtles i just want you know want to be besides our turtle laws, why I want to keep it as a hobby so that it doesn't get in the way of my, you know, art production. Yeah. But back, back on that real quick. Cause I, I just remembered, uh, while I was talking about our chief herpologist, you know, if he swapped out one day and we get a new guy that's in charge, mm -hmm. he could be like, I don't want there to be turtle farmers and you're violating this law, that law and this law. Oh yeah. Ouch. So what, what I'm trying to say is, in your state, whoever's in charge is is pretty much saying that you can't sell turtles because of whatever reason. But then you get a new guy, and he's like, "No, yeah, you can sell it. The law is it, it's written a certain way. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah no one's gone to court yet. <laughs> exactly. To, exactly. To exactly. Have the judge define what the law actually states. Right. And, and then you you don't want to be the person to go to court either. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And my and my thing is is like. I feel like when it comes to reptile and amphibian laws, no disrespect to game and fish, but when you speak to them, there's a reptile and amphibian department. Mm -hmm. So why am I talking to a guy that mainly deals with big game animals? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and and so, I I went and I called Pier, you know, our state capital, and talked to head biologist after head biologist after head game you know, warden after, you know, like trying to like, yeah. you know, so there's none of them could tell me for sure. Like, yeah. Like, you, they, they don't, they can't tell you cause yeah. it's great. Well, and, and it's whoever yeah. is in charge is going to tell you yeah. because that's what <laughs> when I, you need to find who your chief herpologist is or the person in charge of uh, reptiles and amphibians. Mm -hmm. And you need to get that person on the line and be like, break down this law to me. I have turtles that are from out of this state. They don't belong in this state. Mm -hmm. Can I sell this turtle? Yeah. And how can he say, how can he say no? Yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? Well, and, or and, I have this turtle that is yeah. clearly a mutation that cannot survive in the wild. Right. Why, why can't I breed and replicate and sell it? Well, and that, that is what I, I need to ask them because, you know, and um, that, I do have like a Southern painted turtle and I have a Midland painted turtle and I, I was going to acquire an Eastern painted so I can bring them to the schools and, and show the kids. How do we yeah. biologists, you know, what all the, the, the little nuances that we look for to be able to determine, you know, species from species or subspecies from subspecies. And, it, and then COVID hit and my doctor goes, Nope, you're not going into any <laughs> classroom. And, and, and that's the thing. Now you tell that's, that's what I had to do. I had to sit down with this guy and we had to hash it out. And I really had to put, I had to write this down, tough, tough questions where he needed to give me an answer to. Mm -hmm. And if he couldn't give me an answer, then we had to discuss why. Yeah. And, and I think 
for your situation, you know, like, okay, I have the, you, you allowed me to buy turtles mm-hmm. from outside the state, but now I can no longer take care of these said turtles. What am I supposed to do with them? Oh, get this. You're not allowed, you know, so I'm, I'm reading this out of the fisheries book, you know, the, that here's your fishing license and these are the turtles you can catch. But and well, that's harvesting. That's different. Yeah, now but, we're talking about you're harvesting yeah, something for you're collecting right. it. But then, but then they go on to say is, and you can't buy, sell, or barter the turtles. And I'm so I'm thinking like, yeah, any turtles that you catch in South Dakota, I, I understand why they wouldn't want anybody to buy, sell, and barter because you know our our local populations would be diminished. But then, but then what about the turtles that the you know that are being sold at Petco <clears throat> and PetSmart? You know. But here, here's. That law to me, not to interrupt you, that law to me is I'm harvesting animals and I am not allowed to trade or sell the animal as in for consumption. Because fishing, when you get a license for wild game, even if it's turtles, it's, it's mostly you're consuming that animal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And most large game, you are not allowed to sell or trade or whatever it may be. Right. So if it's under a license for collecting and harvesting that has that is completely different from owning something as a pet yes and and that so that are, they need to be clear on that yeah and that are being allowed to be sold in the state as pets and exactly we're not talking about me harvesting a snapping turtle and selling its meat right. we're talking about me buying an albino snapping turtle with red eyes and white skin right. and selling it as a pet yeah. So th- that's the thing that they need to clarify versus yeah. stating a, a blank state right. gray law onto everybody. And that, that, that's not right. Yeah. And that, yeah, that is true. And so I still haven't been able to get them to, to really understand it, you know? And, and so I said, well, because, you know, so many pet stores in this state are allowed to sell turtles, you're telling me it's illegal. It's, it, they have a special permit to sell them, but it's illegal for anybody to buy any turtle. Do you see the conflict there? <laughs> Yeah, but how, how does that make sense though? How is a pet store allowed to sell turtles, but you're not? Right. You know, so I, I I'm telling you, it's, right. it's, it's something that there is, it's misinterpretation. It's where someone is saying, you know what? I don't really have to explain myself to this person. Mm-hmm. They're not a corporation. They're just a person. So I'm just going to say what I want to say to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah. And, you know, and I have no interest in selling turtles. I mean, I really don't. I mean, I sell art, you know, and. Yeah, no, of and, course. Yeah. But I'm just saying, yeah. but there are people in your state that probably want to be breeders of, right. of turtles or breeders of something else that may be gray. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. That, that law needs to be clarified. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and because we're losing so many Western paintings from their habitats being drying up from all the droughts we've been having. And, and plus the agricultural, you know, what they call drain tiling um, for, to get as much, you know, it, we're, I guess South Dakota has lost the most prairie potholes what they call the ponds and marshes due to big ag buying up family farms and then draining all the ponds and marshes. And, you know, there goes the water table, there goes winter habitat, there goes the turtles and, you know, the herpetology that we're living in these ponds. And and so it's like, ah, you know, so of course I don't want a trade in turtles when we're losing, you know, their habitats are being lost, you know, but, you know, I, I, most of, um, the, tur- the, the turtles that I bought for my aquariums were all from the turtle source, you know, four turtles that I bought from them. And, you know, just because I didn't want to collect from the wild and have to deal with parasites, <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, and, and just to, to, to just enjoy them swimming cause they're far more fun to watch than, you know, goldfish, you know, 
but you know, then lo and behold, you know, I rescue those eggs and now I'm, now I'm in your world and asking you all kinds of questions. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's something cool, you know, and for you to take that animal from a, a roadside and hatch a, a clown, mm-hmm. um, and then reproduce it and be the first person to do it would be pretty incredible as well. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, you know, who knows if that, you know, can happen, you know? Um, but right now, you know, all I have, you know, right now is some daughters to breed back to the brother and, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, if anything happens, but, you know, I've, uh, I, I'm just waiting for the clown to get big enough where I can, you know, breed her, you know, back to her brother, or if she is going to remain a her, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, cause you know, for sure. You, you don't know. It could, it could, uh, yeah, she's only she's turned into a male. Yeah, she's only four inches, you know. Um, and if she's only four inches at the how old she is, I wouldn't be surprised if it turned into a male. Really? It's, it's probably gonna be the same situation as the one that I had, honestly. Well, and and you know, and well, you know, I incubated at eighty-two, and all her siblings are male. Uh, all its siblings are male. So I. Yeah. Yeah, I just pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, it is, and you know, I would love to buy an Eastern clown. Um, but now, you know, with me working with game and fish, it's like, am I allowed to buy a turtle now? (laughs) Yeah. That's that's what I mean. You got to get that clarified. You know, maybe you can help clarify that and help maybe rewrite it or something. And, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it's very interesting stuff. Yeah. Do you have a copy of your state turtle laws? Cause you know, you, you say there is a, a division between what, you know, it hands off yeah. all the all the, all of our state species, but you can do this with all these exotics. Well, they also allow me to work with state stuff. I I don't have to look at no laws. I just email the guy, and I'm like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about buying. This is what I'm thinking about working with. These are the numbers I'm thinking about doing. Mm-hmm. And he the 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 agriculture guy passes it to the herpology guy, and then they say, yeah, we give you a, a, a specialty permit, or nope. You're not going to do that, and that's kind of what I do. Oh, mm-hmm. so that, that's the benefit of being, uh, I guess, considered a turtle farmer. You know what I mean? Right. Um, that I have inside email, just direct contact, and they, they may give me that special permit. You know what I mean? So now, have you? You're the first turtle breeder. Of North yep, North I am the first turtle turtle. I'm not the first turtle breeder in North Carolina, but I am officially North Carolina's first turtle farmer. Okay. So then, um, how many turtle farmers now that you've started that trend? I have, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I, I, I may still be the only one, but I'm pretty sure there are people here in North Carolina breeding. Um, they're just not doing it with the state. And my, my right. thing is, is like I told you from the beginning, I'm, I'm not, willing to risk my freedom right. over a turtle yeah. so I'm, i i would rather just uh go through the state and let them dictate to me what i can do and what i can't do mm-hmm. uh, versus like trying to pretty cool and, yeah they're and pretty cool on it and uh you and, know and what you're doing right now anyway so writer like, sliders actually two two or three years ago was put on a restricted species list mm-hmm. um but since I did it with the state and I've been keeping the state in tuned, they grandfathered me in and I can have as many red stars as I want. Mm. But someone new to North Carolina, it's restricted. You can't, you cannot have, uh, maybe if you apply, I, I don't, I don't even know if 
people can apply for restricted species permit. You know what I mean? I don't know how that works. Uh, but I know it's considered an invasive species and they don't, they don't want them here. Yeah. You know? Well, and yeah. I, I, my friends, um, are photographers is, and so is Joel's dad. And Joel is a, um, you know, he, he, he has his photography and galleries. And so, you know, we're always out there photographing things. So we like, Oh geez, there's a red ear slider in Canyon Lake. And Oh, there's another one in the, you know, the pond at the information center outside of Hill City. And, oh, look, there's a yellow-bellied slider right there in the Game Fish and Parks, you know, campus. Who let that, you know? <laughs> so they have an invasive yeah. species right there in, you know, in the Game Fish and Parks um, uh, campus pond. And you know, it's like, you know, so, you know, my agreement with them is, you know, to, to try and trap as many endangered species, or excuse me, invasive species See, see, that's the thing with my state that kind of bothers me. I'm not gonna lie; is I try to volunteer my time to help them uh, with stuff like that, mm -hmm. and they just don't want nothing to do with it. They're like, "Look, you stay to your turtle farming, uh, and we'll stay to doing stuff like that." Because I've seen ponds here just fishing or hunting, and um, there's hundreds of redder sliders, and and I'm like, if it's an invasive species and if it's a threat to the habitat. Mm -hmm shouldn't we be removing these animals? Um, and they say they do when they do, but it must not be that much of a threat. If I'm telling you, I know a pond with 50 redder sliders and you're just kind of like, eh, we'll get to it when we get to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, they, they, um, that's what I like about our game of fish. They, they said, Oh, you're doing this on, you know, volunteer. And I said, Hey, you know, I'm retired. You know, I, um, you know, I can't really do very many gallery shows, you know, it's COVID, you know, so, you know, what other what else can I do that's productive? Yeah. <laughs> and, and they go, Oh, well, you appreciate it. You know? So, you know, then I just, you know, reported on my scientific collector's permit as it is though. Um, yeah. I, I, I haven't caught any of the invasives. I haven't purchased the uh, basking traps that I want to purchase, mm -hmm. but maybe if I, you know, I, I just entered a bid today um, on another monumental bronze. And, and uh, if I get that, I go, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll buy, you know, several, basking traps go out to the lake and uh see what i can come up with and you know i, I know where to put them you know where i've seen these animals you know the, the yeah the sliders <clears throat> and you know and i can sit there and paint while i'm waiting for the turtles to be caught <laughs> you know hit two birds with one stone but uh yeah so i who have been on your Instagram, how are you keeping your turtles? I really like you're keeping outdoors, which is something uh -huh. I have no experience in doing. Um, what's, what's that setup? How big is that pond that you have? And like, what's your setup like? Uh, I, I, it's been a while, but I believe it's uh, an eight foot long by four foot wide or maybe five foot wide. It's, it's been a while since I built them. And, um, it's a 300 gallon Rubbermaid. Uh, and then I have the bottom layer of the sand. This just took years to figure out with just <clears throat> some turtles being picky laying in sand or that the sand may be too hot or the sand is not too moist. I, I put topsoil and then uh, a play sand on top. Okay. And then what I do is I run the filters um, year round. I don't run the filters for filtering the water. I run the filters to create 
uh, a bio system, but also keep the water aerated. Um, it's so important if you're doing outdoor stuff, especially up north, and there's actual real cold, your your water needs to be aerated. Yeah. So yep. the turtles can survive during the winter time. I have some turtles that w- I, I won't see them for six months. Wow. They're just underwater, and when they wake up, they're completely covered in algae. Even their eyeballs have algae. Hmm. Their inside of their mouth has algae. Oh, nice. It's growing out of it's growing out of their butt. It's <laughs> they're just on that bottom for six months. Wow. Um, I have some turtles. It'll be thirty-two degrees one day, and then the next day in the fifties, and that turtle's basking. Wow. Um, yeah, they're they're just each turtle does its own thing. It doesn't matter if it's a redder slider or a painted turtle. It's not a species thing. It's a turtle thing. Hmm. Um. And yeah, so I, I keep the water very aerated. And during the summertime, when I start feeding, I do about 15 to 20 minute purges. I have an overflow system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I purge from the bottom. Mm-hmm. And I do that about every three days. Wow. So my water bill is ginormous. <laughs> but it's something that has to be done. I am a big believer in the water changes. Um, the algae, I believe the algae gives them that privacy. It gives them that bedroom. It gives them that. That security. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, you know, like I said, I've had turtles. People had them for three or four years, not bred. They come in that green water. I tell you what, they're breeding. They're laying eggs. They're doing wonderful. They're growing. They just feel like you're saying with your snakes, uh, you know, you can have some snakes in in a clear tank, but most snakes, they need that den-like habitat where – hide yeah and your one of your issues you said is one of your snakes wasn't feeding well okay when i had ball pythons i had a lot of snakes that were picky eaters once i introduced a hide they're already in a hide because they're in a rack system yeah but once i introduced another hide for whatever reason that feeding response just turned on mm-hmm. okay um and all my snakes had hides within hides. You know what I mean? Like like I said, the rack system is a hide, but I'd put another uh, a hide where they can fit and coil up, and it would be, like, tight but enough room. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. And then that would just turn on a feeding response. And I believe the same thing with the turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, you give them something as natural as possible, mm-hmm. they're going to want to breed. They're going to want to reproduce because this is nice. This is, hey, man. We're, we're free here. You know, we're not in a fish tank no more. We, we are in a real pond. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you using a, like a aquarium filter or are you just using like bio rocks I use and that sort of stuff? Bio, in bio rocks. That's okay. it. I use lava rock and it's mainly to create uh, an area where that good bacteria is harvest, you know, like yeah. uh, acquire, uh, accumulating. I used to build ponds for a living. So, yeah. yeah. And my dude, I'm telling you, like, I can look at my pond. And be like, this pond needs major water changes every couple of days a lot. And I can look at other ponds and be like, this pond is perfect just on how green the water is. Hmm. Uh, because obviously ammonia is going to kill algae. Oh, yeah. So if, if it's a deep bloom and you're looking at that water and that water is blooming in front of you, you can just see the swirls of deep green. This water is perfect. And you can even test it and the pH is high. Um but then you'll see a pond browning up or yellowing or clearing, mm-hmm. and you know that ammonia is skyrocketing for whatever reason. Maybe uh, overfeeding or they're not eating enough or you're not scooping extra food or they're just defecating a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I can have a pond with four or five turtles and the algae would die. And I can have a pond with 15 turtles and it is green as, uh, the color green, you know what I mean? Like yeah. super green. Mm-hmm. And, and the water quality is different. And I got to purge that three or four turtle pond for a couple of days to mm-hmm. purge out that ammonia or high nitrates or whatever it may be. And then the sun is going to create more algae because, you know, the algae loves sun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am also a big believer of natural sun, like you guys are saying. Oh, yeah. During the winter, during the winter time, uh, norm, normally what I do is um, as soon as my I, I, I hatch turtles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll raise them indoors over winter mm-hmm. and they'll get all UVB, UVA light. Mm-hmm. And then immediately, as soon as it's maybe April, um, maybe end of March, begin middle of April, as soon as the weather is uh, clear, right. uh, I move everything outside to sunlight immediately. Yeah. That's um, what I to uh, 140 gallon stock tanks, I put a lid on top of them where no prey or they can't escape. I set up a purge system on those. And uh, immediately they're outside. They're getting used to being in deep water. They're getting used to uh, some uh, the green water, and you know, and and it, it's just crazy how when they're in that green water, their feeding habit and it, they just they change. Like these turtles may be super friendly indoors. I raised them for the past six eight months, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And they 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 know me. They're like doggy paddling when they see me. As soon as I put them in that green water, and it's about a month, they're terrified of me. Because now they can actually hide and be turtles. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like they'll, they, you, all you see is little heads poking up and like they don't want nothing to do with me. <laughs> but literally a month ago, they were like, dude, you're the guy feeding me. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 But it, it's it's that's when you know that's the turtles. They're they're, they're feeling comfortable. They're feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what you want. You know what I mean? Oh, well, I'll, I'll really – my green water longer than in between, you know, I, I was, you know, purging that and then starting fresh and, uh, I'll, I'll try to keep it green longer this coming. That's just, that's just my opinion. Like I said, I, is there any science behind that? No. Uh, <laughs> but I tell you what, I've had a lot of turtles that people said, I give up on this turtle. I'll give you a great deal. And I'm like, I'll take the deal. And <laughs> six months later, that turtle is giving me a whole bunch of babies. And they're like, dude, what'd you do? And I'm like, the magic green water, dude, you know, <laughs> you know, do you think that it would be possible to have a pond big enough then to house a small enough group of turtles with like biofiltration, maybe like a bog with running water as well in a whole, like uh, more whole natural setup. If you had the room to build a big pond, what, what do you mean? Like well water uh, or something? Kind of like the aquascape ponds you're talking, Matthew? Yeah, like you're building more of a natural pond that's that would be bigger than your your tub. Yeah, sure. And then, it, it, but 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 it depends on where you live because if you're down south, perfect. Yeah. Uh, if you're up north, you better make sure you got more than two feet of water because yeah. when it starts freezing, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and, and you, you got to make sure you you have running water to create. And you can uh, get enough water running. To keep the top not frozen too, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, but you need to oxygenate it. You know, yeah. I talk to people hit me up all the time. They're like, "Dude, I got the same things you got going on, or something similar, and it's not working." Well, where are you located? You know, uh, what's going on here? Are you, are you, are your ramps touching the bottom? Are your, are you aerating the water? You know, there's there's a lot of stuff. I don't know. People would look at your pictures and they're like, "This is easy. I can replicate this." But it's like you got, you know. Uh, the build is easy. 
and then yeah. and then after that animals are animals man yeah exactly so so but like down south do you need to aerate your water i don't think so not not as much uh as long as you're purging because your, your colder days are you know when it when a turtle goes into brumation like i said it could be one month to six months so if your water's not oxygenated and there's not enough oxygen to withstand that turtle for six months you got problems you know what i mean yeah um where florida you may get like three days of extreme weather enough air for him to surface or it's not cold enough where he can surface breathe and then go back down you know mm -hmm. my turtles get so cold they're literally like slow motion <laughs> uh i watched a turtle for almost 40 minutes go 10 inches wow on my on my ramp i i, I got a picture of it um <laughs> It's the most recent picture oh, okay. with the the albino map turtle. Mm -hmm. It's like picture number three. Okay. There's a map turtle under ice. That turtle took about 30 to 40 minutes to climb. It was when I first noticed the turtle, it was halfway up the ramp. Mm -hmm. Water's probably like 33 degrees. And it took it about 40 minutes to climb that 10 to 12 inches just to put its nose <laughs> to take to take a breath of air you know what i mean and what i did is i had to when i after i took the picture i i flicked the ice very slowly because mm -hmm. she was putting her nose up against the ice to try to push it but mm. she is so her metabolism i believe it's something like you can't quote me me and my buddy were just talking about this we 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 discussed this picture it's something like one heartbeat per like every three to four minutes or oh, something like that that's really crazy so it's mm. it's you know what I mean? Yeah. She's she she's like, you know what? I'm tired of breathing through my cochlea. I'm gonna I need some freaking air in my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But 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 that's what I mean. If your ramp doesn't touch the bottom, mm -hmm. she can't get up there to get that air. Wow. Uh, because she's so slowed, she can't swim. But I do have turtles that can swim. Mm -hmm. Every turtle's different. Like I said, I talked to a guy recently. I said, dude, every turtle's different. Some turtle. You know, in a pond, a natural pond in the wild, everything is sloped. So even if a turtle is 100 feet at the bottom of that pond, mm -hmm. it's just going to walk up until it reaches air. Mm -hmm. But some turtles can just uh, use their air bladder and float up, get air, and sink back down. Mm -hmm. But if that special turtle that needs to walk up that incline, there is no incline, it's going to drown. Wow. You know what I mean? That's interesting. I, I never thought about that. I know yeah. if if I have Matthew help me build a pond, it's going to have to be about five feet deep up here. And <laughs> yeah, here in South yeah minimum. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing you have to, and, you know, so someone like you, I would not recommend outdoor hibernation because your winters are so oh, much harder and they're yeah. so much longer. Your, your egg season is going to be like a month. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, you know, and, yeah. and you know, here, uh, our, um, what is it? Our turtles start laying in May. They'll lay in May and, you know, through June and July, yet some of them will even lay in September. And of course those that, you know, that clutch is going to, you know, um, you know, maybe freeze or, uh, yeah. you know, who knows, but I mean, I, I, I couldn't believe, you know, the, you know, some of these turtles lay, you know, two clutches, some lay three, but they're, they're usually laying about every, you know, three weeks, three to four weeks, you know, as soon as yeah, it's, it's about, it's, for me, it's about every two weeks on the dot. Oh, wow. I've gotten up to six clutches. Wow. 
Yeah, and some of the clutches are 15A clutches, 12A clutches, nice. 10A clutches. <clears throat> On average, it's anywhere from six to eight eggs. The older and the bigger the female, you're probably going to get 12 to 15A clutches. Yeah, that's the issue with the with the readier slider in the wild mm-hmm. is they're they're dumping, uh, uh you know, and mo and mo and to be honest with you, even if I get six A clutches, let, let's just say I'm getting. 60 eggs wow probably only 30 of those eggs are actually going to hatch oh wow yeah that's that's about average I, i'm gonna with me mm-hmm. um they'll all chalk over mm-hmm. but eight out of those 12 will hatch oh see that that or, was my question you know yeah out of that um the, the female with the the shell rod she laid um 13 eggs two came out broken because she, she had the oxy and then 11 all 11 chalked, but only um, uh, nine hatched. Um, because I incubated for female, um, two came out really small, about the size of a penny, and those didn't, yeah. those didn't survive. Mm-hmm. But So she had seven surviving out of um, 13 eggs that actually came out of her. Um, and and that- that's the thing too. When it comes to hatchlings, a lot of people get confused. They'll, they'll hit me up and be like, "I got eight eggs, five of them hatched, the other three are not hatching. What's what's wrong with those eggs?" You have to realize when those eggs are laid, there's different points in time. Sometimes two to three to four, maybe even five, I've heard up to six to seven days of implantation. Um, like I've had, let's just say, eight eggs. Three of them chalked immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, so those are probably going to hatch within 52 days, mm-hmm. and I had the rest of them chalk over five to six days later. Oh. So just because they're all laid at the same time is when that embryo implanted and started developing. Mm-hmm. So you know have, what I mean? have you heard? Oh, this is this is a question I've been wanting to ask you for a long time. <clears throat> did, my, real quick, did you did you see the video when I incubated the egg, the turtle out of the egg? Yes, yes, that and. That was amazing. Um, is yeah, where uh, uh, Matthew um, a turtle egg was cracked, and he had the embryo and the yolk between these two cellophane um, pieces. Oh, I see it. I'm right there. Actually. Yeah, and and actually incubated that egg outside of its eggshell, and it's like wow, that was so fun to watch. Yeah, I did. I think updates on it every couple of days. Yeah. So, uh, and then with that baby, um, what, um, how did it survive very long after? Uh, it survived for about like two weeks and then it just randomly just perished. Yeah. And uh, I'm not sure why. So it, it was doing fine. It was eating and everything. But that happens too with yeah. new morph turtles. It, turtles, uh, I do believe in that theory. They say, um, born to die you ever heard of that yes <laughs> I, I do i do believe that it, it helps uh the other turtles survive and it leaves food for the predators you know what i mean yeah and and i think there's some cannibalism within the nest before they emerge what the uh, turtles eating each other yeah the young that um uh, especially the ones that are frozen into their nest or they 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 overwinter and mm-hmm. then when they emerged, these are the nests that are really being watched closely. They had noticed that some of the eggs that didn't hatch were eaten. And, and, and the, they, the ones that hatched and emerged from that natural nest, you know, came out quite robust. And when they looked to see 
what didn't hatch, they noticed that there had been um, some eating of the undeveloped or underdeveloped embryos, um, like the the babies. You know, I don't know if the egg, huh. if the egg had been cracked, you know, because they were in the nest so long, and then and and they ate the biological material that they. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say that because just my experience of many uh, several years, most turtles. Some turtles will eat immediately. Mm-hmm. Most turtles won't eat religiously until about like two weeks after right. they hit the water. It's just it takes time for them to start eating. And most turtles, most aquatic turtles, have to be in water to eat. Yes, and so I don't I don't see them eating egg. You know, yeah, that's why the eggs are so um, fluid. Mm-hmm. Were they able to swallow that because it was so you know a fluid egg you know kind of thing? Is yeah. what I wonder, but and yeah. I don't. I don't know. Like I, I know for a fact, aquatic turtles find food using their mouth. Mm-hmm. They taste the water. Because yes. um, I've many experiments where I've had turtles that were completely uh, uh, albino turtles, uh, and their vision was impaired slightly or whatever it may be, and you would see them in the bottom of the pond just moving their head back and forth. And then go right to a piece of fish and just eat it. Wow. Um, I've had turtles with missing eyes do the same thing. Completely have no eye or no eyes at all and just find food using their mouth only. Um, it's the same thing with my box turtle. is It was had very poor vision, but I've set food in there, crushed bananas, crushed whatever it may. And immediately he comes out of the burrow. He puts his head up, comes out of that burrow, and he beelines. Yeah to where the food should be. And he's just putting his head and his mouth back and forth, yep. just tasting. And then he's biting and then he finds the food. Yep. Um, that's what my, that's why, yeah, that's why I had to hand feed because I wanted him to get as much food as he could. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I think they got to be in the water to really consume something. And really, I don't think they use their nose like, like a mammal would to find an egg, to open it, to eat it. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. I think it's more mouth. They're tasting. Yeah. So how how much do your kids, are they really into turtles or are they found it, you know, getting old? <laughs> uh, t- at this point, it's kind of getting old mm-hmm. and to a point where I'm like, all right, you can look at these turtles, but don't touch these. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and it, it's after saying that so many times, like, ah, 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 like get away from that. You know, like, cause there's certain turtles that are very, like I've said, they've just taken so many years of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to just breed it and make things happen. Yeah. And they don't want nobody looking at them. You know, <laughs> yeah. the longer you're staring at them, they're like, I'm not doing anything now. You know, you're, <laughs> you're done for another season. Um, yeah. Maybe next year. <laughs> I was, I was surprised that, you know, the, you know, that mine locked up, you know, the, the clown's brother and it happens. Yeah, you know, of that, course. That, absolutely. In happens. the aquarium, <clears throat> you know, and it's like, I was thinking that, you know, I, I'd get them cooled down and get them used to each other. Then, you know, by the time I could put them outdoors in, in the pond that I had all set up, the one that they ha- has the egg, you know, laying dirt area. And uh, lo and behold, they, they locked, you know, at 50 degrees tank temp. And, and it's like, oh, okay, wow. <laughs> well, yeah. And, and, and then, I, of course, you know, I that's the only, I have three males, um, another Western painted and a rescue painted. And then a Midland that I bought from the turtle source. And I, I don't have them breed with anything. The only 
stud turtle that I have is this clown because I don't want to produce a bunch of young because I'd either just have to give them away. You know, yeah. I, I'm only producing to find out what, you know, if if this clown line can be proven. So I'm not sure if you, you kind of mentioned, were you thinking about making a hybrid? Oh, um, yeah. The um, uh, Because there are a lot of what, you know, they call the intergrades where the each of the painted turtle subspecies comes in contact with another painted turtle. Yeah. Um, uh, especially on the Midland Western um, shared um, borderlines. Um, they have um, they have a lot of intergrades there that they're really gorgeous. You know, they have the the Midland color separation and 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 border outline. Where, you know, can, they can be any anywhere from yellow to bright orange to even bright okay. red, with then the western painted um, belly. And I, I would love to acquire a turtle like that to show the kids. But I don't want, you know, I don't want anybody collecting it from the wild. I w- I've been inquiring to find out if there's any captive breeders of, you know, of that because See, that, that's where I was getting at. Because a lot of reptile people, they're they're very against making hybrid of of stuff like that. Right, but they exist in the wild, you know, and yeah, and and I agree with you, and I think it'd be cool. I think a lot of crossing. Is cool, yeah. but a lot of people prefer the pure version of the animal. Yeah, they they, they kind of a lot of people. I kind of feel like they, they think it's cheating. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and to me, it's like, hey, it's natural. They're beautiful. I want it. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I don't want anybody collecting from the wild, and so I've been trying to find a breeder that has yeah. that, and and I guess because it's not morphy enough. Or, you know, but to me, it's, they're just gorgeous, you know, and, and, and plus, you know, the the kids, I think would just love to see, you know, um, the different color variations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you see any like locality turtle breeders in the, in that sense? Like I know king snakes have a lot of locality people who specialize in just this County alone. Uh, Do you see that in turtles as much or because that's where maybe she could go, go for that. I think people more like the turtle source um, and a lot of the farms that are, a lot of the farms have actually shut down. Um, but a lot of those guys did more locality and like normal type turtles. You know what I mean? But like I said, with the, with the laws, yep. a lot of States say we protect native species. And then the way a lot of people get around it is, Hey, this is a native species, but it's a color mutation. It's a morph. Mm-hmm. So, having a normal turtle is frowned upon versus having that same turtle, but in a color mutation, then they're like, Oh, it's, it's not going to survive in a wild. You can keep that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's like New Jersey and corn snakes. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of States like that with, with snakes too. You know what I mean? But that's the way reptile people defeated the gray law is they're like, okay, here's your native species, right? How about this thing? And they're like, what is that? That's not a native species. Is it or is it not? And they're like, it, it's not. It's not okay. Cool, I can keep it. Yeah, keep it. You know. Uh-huh. Yeah, I not gonna survive. The, in the you wild, know, fish and wildlife so. has to come to your house, and they gotta positively identify this animal. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So. Well, you know, and that's one thing. You know, I, I found a 
breeding partner, so to speak, because I mean, I, I know this, um, um, uh, a clown's brother is going to be keep producing, you know, get out of this one female that had the three clutches. I mean, if I can keep that up, I'm, I'm going to be over turtled even without any rescues. <laughs> See, I, you know, I'll tell you this too, like your clown, there, there's more out there, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the first person to re- reproduce it and the first person to add albino to that turtle, mm-hmm. you're, you're probably looking at it. $25,000 turtle. Yeah. That, well, that's what I was offered yeah, for, I mean, for that. And then, um, one, <clears throat> one contacted me saying he had a client in, uh, overseas, um, that, uh, was willing to go 50. I go 50 grand. And, and I, I go, are you for real? <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know if that guy was for real. <laughs> and, and that, and that's the issue your listeners needed to understand is, is 50 grand worth, 10 years in prison because exactly. <laughs> you know, that, that, that customer yeah. could, could be fish and wildlife. Right. And that's just, it. I and, mean, and people get greedy, man. And yeah. it's like, it's not worth it. Well, dude. Yeah. It's just I, mean, not. I cannot sell a turtle, you know? And, <laughs> and so it's like, I might as well just keep them and, you know, my, and, and, and enjoy my scientific and, you know, um, and, and real quick, I, I want to stress this. You can't say, I sold this turtle to this guy and I didn't know he was going to, let, let's just say a turtle's illegal to export mm-hmm. and you sell it to a, a buyer in the States and he exports it. Right. You cannot say, I didn't know this guy was going to export it. Cause then they're going to hit you with conspiracy tech to, you know, oh my. It, it, then it's conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, I'm telling you, these laws are the way they are so they can reword and rewrite it in your uh in your defense case yeah. or your uh, prosecution case you know what i mean right it's it's i'm t- people listening now it's not worth it <laughs> yeah. it, it no, is not worth it. i'm telling you right now you don't want to be that next guy on uh msnbc cnn <laughs> uh, uh news article turtle smuggling ring right and you're spending time in prison for a freaking yeah. turtle or a lizard or it's just not worth it. Man. Yeah, really? Yeah. It's and not, you know, it's and, not. And then the whole thing of wanting to create a line so I, I can go down in history. Mm-hmm. I've created one of the world's largest bronze assemblies of all original figures sculpted um, without taking parts of a mold and, and, you know, and creating some of them. You know, it's like I sculpted all 17 of those figures individually and, yeah. and, and that's, you know, and yeah, I mean, I don't need to make a name breeding turtles. <laughs> well, but, but, you, but you will, and it's, it still be cool because in the community of, this is why it's cool because this community is not just stateside. It's in China too. Yeah. It's in Taiwan. It's in Japan. It's in Indonesia. So when you have people from all over the world saying, uh, I want, I want turtle. <laughs> I, no, no, no. I own or I want the Peggy Line Clown Western Painted Turtle. That's pretty cool. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you, you, know, you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I get it, that's pretty. That's a pretty good feat. You got people from another culture, another part of the world saying they own or they want your line of turtle mm-hmm. that you took seven to eight years to produce. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it, 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 people, to, to people, it's it's a big deal yeah. Well, because a lot of people in this community were uh, quiet, were shy, 
were uh, very visual people. And to have someone say, I want the Mike line or I want the Matthew line, <laughs> this and this, it makes you feel special. And you should feel special because you put a lot of work into that animal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and, and I'd have to, you know, the, the Black Hills, it, it extends mm. over into Wyoming. I'd have to check into Wyoming's laws to see if um, building a log cabin over on the Wyoming side of the border <laughs> <laughs> is, is worth, you know, whatever, you know, I, I produce or whatever. So yeah. <laughs> we're not that far gotta, from Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. But it, it's very interesting stuff. Like I said, you can make decent money if you know what you're doing. Uh, if But if you don't enjoy it yeah. and that money dries up and you got 100 turtles, what are you going to do? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I don't have the desire to have more turtle setups than I already have. I mean, you know, um, Joe and I just, you know, our life is outdoors and getting away from the, you know, the property and, and go. Yeah, out. of course. Having fun. You got to enjoy your yeah, life. I mean, yeah. We're surrounded by state and national parks here in the Black Hills. I mean, I mean, most of the Black Hills is public lands. And, yeah. and, and so we are, you know, as wildlife artists, you know, that is our life. And so I don't want to be a slave to water changes. <laughs> no, you're right. But, but <laughs> to, to you, to you and I, to you and I, cause I, I've had this discussion with peers and I'm like, dude, I just, I don't want to do that no more because I feel like a slave to water changes. And they're like, this is what I do for a living. This is just my job. So I'm either going to be a slave to water changes or be a slave to serving someone at a restaurant or serving someone at a, a, a company. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? And nails. So, <laughs> yeah. So this guy, let's just say someone makes 50 or 60,000 a year on turtles doing water changes. You, you got to respect that. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. that he's, he's a slave to the water change, but this is what he does for a living that supports his house and family. Yeah. And he doesn't have to leave his house. He he can spend more time with his family. You know, yeah. you know what I mean? It's the same thing with Yeah. Well and, and, and uh, I, I agree. I in no way was I demeaning people who were um, enjoying the hobby to the point where making it for No, I understand. Um, I just was making that yeah, point. It's yeah. just like I've been cursed to be an artist. You know, people are like, Oh, you know, you've got such a God given gift as an artist. I'm like, uh, uh yeah. it's kind of a curse <clears throat> because, you know, if you don't have the money to produce the art you want to produce, you feel like you know, you're torn inside, you know, with bronze is expensive. Yeah. You know, I can, I can do a painting for 25, you know, dollars of, of canvas and, and, and paints and sell that for 60,000 over a bronze that I sell for 60,000. It cost me 30,000 to make it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, so it's like, I think I need to go back to painting, you know, because right now, yeah. you know, making bronze is, I, I can't afford to to make them to get them to the galleries well in that respect i see what you're going through with you know when you go into the turtles to that level you know you've got some of the the cost inhibiting um restrictions well of course yeah, yeah. it's the same thing with your thirty thousand in bronze or whatever whatever you may need in your materials yeah. uh a guy like me uh this is just me I i'm not even a big guy a like I said, the big guys are the guys producing thousands of turtles. I've I've spoken to some of those guys, and and they're they're saying their feed bill, a weekly, monthly was multiple thousands of dollars wow. just to feed. You know, just to feed. Wow. Uh, you know, me, I'm spending uh probably two hundred to three hundred dollars extra in electricity. 
probably spending a hundred to hundred fifty dollars extra in water. I'm probably spending a couple hundred dollars every in in like pellets, probably every month or so. You know what I mean? Probably two bags a month mm-hmm. or two bags every two months. Uh, some, something like that, but some of these guys go through an entire pallet a week. Oh, um, is that like yeah? Is that like dark, dark hammock turtles? <clears throat> yeah, like oh, dark hammock turtles. That guy probably goes through a pallet or two a week. Wow, you know he's feeding multiple thousands of turtles. Wow. You know what I mean? So, are you full time turtle breeding then, Mike? I I do breed full time, but I'm I'm also blessed to do that full time because I I am retired. Okay. Uh, I was medically retired from the military, um, so I I suffered some combat injuries and I was able to retire, and this is it, that's that was one of the reasons why I got like taking us back. One of the reasons why I got into the turtles so hard was to fill that void of uh, just time. Yeah. Um, and and kind of like just thank you for just make my <laughs> thank thank you yeah it, it, and to just clear my mind give me something to do than to uh, you know I, I suffer from a lot of PTSD so it's kind of like I needed something to occupy my mind and also enjoy my time yeah. you know what I mean yeah um, yeah and the turtles really did that watching them swim uh building these enclosures it just kept me so busy mm-hmm. uh, hatching eggs raising the turtles um and like i said i kind of i kind of got too deep too quick and i had to like really dial myself back and be like what do you really want to work on what do you really want to accomplish let's focus on that yeah let's not have yeah let's not have let's not have 200 of something and I never get anything done because I have too many different projects. You just got to zero in on those one or two things you really want to accomplish and then accomplish them and then say, you know what? I feel accomplished. I'm going to sell this whole group. I'm going to move on to the next thing, or I'm going to take this group and cross it into this or work with that. You know what I mean? I did that last year. Uh, I, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really mention this yet, but I, last year I hatched cream schools. Um, I, my group was the second group to ever create cream schools. The original guy was Clive Logan. Mm-hmm. He sold the group, and it still produces. But creating an entire new group, I'm I was the, I was the second person ever to recreate the cream school from from its own recreation. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I, that, and that the cream <clears throat> sickle. Um, um, describe. Uh, it's a it's a leucistic turtle uh it's it's if you're familiar with the caramels it's just pretty much a cream turtle with pearly skin and black eyes and red pupils it's kind of like a leucistic black eye leucistic in snakes Mm -hmm. it would be that uh but it would be like a white a whiter i guess the white i guess (laughs) i think caramels are like a leucistic type because of obviously it has uh the black eye, the green eye, and a blue eye with a okay. red pupil. Uh-huh. And commonly in snakes, that's a, a, they call those Lucy's. Um, <clears throat> so I, it's it's a melanistic bred to a caramel, leucistic type, mm-hmm. um, and it created this. I guess like a I, you can call it like a super leucistic or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not really sure what you would honestly call it, but it's just a they call it a cream school. That's the name it was given by the original creator, mm-hmm. uh, Clive. Uh, and my group finally produced, and that was dude. When I got into turtles, the charcoal. I'm a big melanistic okay. guy. Um, mm-hmm. 
I'm a big melanistic guy. Black black anything with black eyes and black yeah, skin. I'm big and, into Anery and Exanthix and I like the, yeah, the black and what, silver. <clears throat> you wanna you wanna get my attention? Send me a picture of something just pure jet black and <laughs> and it has red pupils. I'm like, dude, how much? <laughs> you, know, you got my attention, dude. You know, I mean? anyways, I'm just a big they call them charcoals, the melanistic turtle. I'm big into those. Uh-huh. Uh, I bought those right away. I got I had caramels, and I said, I'm going to create this freaking. I'm crossing these. Yeah, you, and the you next got year, a, a strange one out of that cross, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I got some weird hypo-type turtle. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I got, all, like I said, I'm, I'm normally hitting random stuff here and there. I actually random hatched uh, Paradox charcoal as well. It was like half albino and half no. charcoal. That's the one I remember. That's, yeah, yeah. That's very strange. Like, because normally the gene albino dominates, and the turtle's either going to have pink eyes or it's going to be an albino type. It's not going to have melanistic and albino. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, but yeah, I was so hyped up on that, and I made my heads, and Clive produced it. He got it, and I'm like, okay, cool. I, I knew I wasn't going to get it because someone had to have that in the works already. Mm-hmm. But I was so like, I'm going to do this project. I don't care he's did it. I'm going to do this project. Mm-hmm. Finally, last season, uh, it took me that long. It took me almost six years to do that project. Wow. Um, I hatched the first or the second group ever mm-hmm. to hatch cream skulls. And then I felt so accomplished. Mm-hmm. Uh but I just needed to dial back. I, I actually sold the entire group, wow. the breeding group. It, just, it took me six years to produce. I produced <laughs> it. I held it in my hand. I said I, I said I did it. I silently patted myself on the back, and I'm like, time to move on to bigger and better things. Wow. <laughs> it happened. It, I, you know, no one offered. I feel like I'm going to do that with my ball pythons. Yeah, you know, I feel like that's what's going to happen. I want to produce them. But... Do it, man. Do it. Get that sense of like, yeah. I did this. I didn't quit. You know, I mean, I could have quit. Six years, man. I could have been like, you know what? Someone's going to beat me to this. I'm gonna, I'm just going to quit. <laughs> I didn't. I stuck. I stuck with it. I did it. Um, and I said, you know what? It do do I really need this? And where am I going to go with this? Mm-hmm. Nowhere. This is the end of the line for cream school. The cream school is the end morph. So I need to move on to keep on creating instead of just being stagnant. So I, I got to let it go. Well, I, I like what you're doing when you're crossing <clears throat> those clowns to albinos, and you come up with this yellow and red turtle. I mean, it's it's like wow, you know, it's um, that is quite flashy. <laughs> yeah, the, the albino clown was first created by by Mitch uh, Mac Morphs, a uh, good friend of mine, uh, mentor, um, great guy. If you, if you have anyone on the podcast, Mac Morphs needs to be on the podcast. That right there is the albino eastern painted turtle. He's yeah. just a regular albino eastern. Oh. He's not crossed. He's not crossed with anything. Oh. Now, when I cross clown into that, mm-hmm. that turtle is going to be incredible. It's going to be, it's it's probably going to be the best turtle on this planet. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that picture to your right, right there, is the hypo box turtle. You can see the shell with the oranges, and it it. Hmm. You 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 really got to know what you're. You got to have an eye for it to look at something and be like, this is going to be insane. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to know. Yeah, there's some experience yeah. there that I do not. Yeah, have. but the albino eastern mixed with the clown. Oh. Right there, that's a oh, clown yeah. eastern. Yeah, that. So when I breed that, and now imagine, okay, so when you have albino, mm-hmm. the other thing about breeding turtles is you have to understand 
you have to try to envision in your mind mm-hmm. what that gene is going to do to that animal. Yeah. And obviously those oranges may stay orange or they may turn red uh-huh. with albino. Mm-hmm. So all those swirls could be brighter orange with yellow shell, like all that green on the shell mm-hmm. is most likely going to turn yellow. Wow. And then the oranges are going to either stay orange or turn red. Wow. So you got to think of a, a turtle with those swirls, but an albino type turtle. Yeah. And then those patterns on his head mm-hmm. are probably going to be orange or red as well. Wow. Or, or yellow. So imagine a albino type head, red eyes, and all those patterns are going to be either orange, red, or yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that I, yeah. I can't wait till I, I think I had seen something like that from Chrisimis.com in Germany, having something like that. Um, but then. Uh, well, I'm not uh, sure of, uh, you know, exactly what his cross is. Oh, that's your box. Yeah, that's your box for that's my, habitat. That's my back to habitat. That's right. Yeah, nice. Yeah. So. Well, wow. You know, I could talk to you for hours. <laughs> yeah, we could talk. We could talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, this thing is super cute. Yeah. That is. It is. Yeah. I, you know, the. Having a box turtle, you know, the Western box turtle assurance colony sounds exciting, but I, I have to uh, get back into my art a little bit more and then, and then assess, you know, do I have the time to be able to do that? You know? Yeah. That's, and that's what your listeners need to understand is that that's a cream skull. If you go back, if you go back down, down more, a little more right there, those two in the hand oh. left and right, right there. Yeah. Yep. The one with the, slight marking on his back is called a they, they call them dreamsicles it's a caramel mm-hmm. with a little bit of pattern and the other one next to it is a cream skull it's a complete cream shell red eye red pupil pink pinkish skin mm-hmm. so interesting, interesting. <clears throat> wow. um what what do you do for your uh box turtles is, is it just a like turtle table style how big is this box? uh I, I think it's a six by six okay or it could be a little bit bigger I'm, like i said i'm not really sure on dimensions i have to go out there and measure it for you yeah. but uh i do a, no, you know, let's just good. say six by six i put a lip on it so because tur- box turtles can climb yeah. um <laughs> and I, I give them about a foot uh of substrate so they can burrow down i, I learned that the hard i learned that the hard way my first season I only had about six inches, mm-hmm. and one of them couldn't burrow down completely and stay uh, insulated, and he got a respiratory infection. His eyes were all messed up. His ears were messed up. Luckily, I was able. I, I noticed for a couple of days it was snowing, and I saw the back of his shell, and I'm like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. I dug him up, and he was all jacked up and took him to the vet. That's another thing, too. If, if you're in doubt, take it to the vet. Yeah. Don't, don't try to do home remedies. Yeah. Just, if you have an investment – Take it to the vet, get it medicine. Yeah. But anyway, so now I, I learned from that lesson. Now I keep a minimum of a, a foot or more of substrate so they can burrow down and stay insulated throughout the winter. Now you, you so it's a, a foot of soil above the standard soil level, or do you dig? Rock? Yes, yes, okay. yes, above the soil. I also put like a raised plant. Yeah, box. and then I put. Uh, PVC piping, I hammer it down space where they can't burrow. So if they do hit the, the regular soil and they burrow into that, mm-hmm. they can't burrow out of it. Yeah. Okay. So there's PVC all around that 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 enclosure. Into the, I, I stake it into the ground. So if they do burrow, 
they're going to run into that PVC. Uh, yeah. Okay. But yeah, they now they they can go a foot down, and then also go into the normal substrate uh, as well. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, both of my box turtle rescues are too compromised to expect them to be able to. Do it. <clears throat> And I, I just don't, you know, uh, most of the box turtles around here, they use prairie dog towns to get deep enough for our width. And so yeah. unless I borrow a prairie dog or know how to dig a four-foot tunnel that won't collapse. <laughs> that turtle right there on the right, that black one, uh -huh. that is a melanistic type Mississippi map oh. that was hatched from a farm. And when I, when I bred it, the first season I got eggs from it, mm -hmm. it produced co-dominant babies. Whoa. If you close that, wait a minute, wait a minute. You right there, that's the babies that hatched out. There it is. Right there. You could tell oh, it, it's wow. a. That's a Mississippi map. Obviously, that does not look like a Mississippi yeah. map. Right. Zero head pattern, zero shell pattern. It's chocolate in color. Uh huh. Uh, it's it's a co-dominant. Now, if you close that and you go to the right, and you click that picture. 50% of that clutch, there was, there was eight eggs. I did a split clutch. I did <clears throat> four males and four females. Uh -huh. And if you see bottom right, it's a replica of the mother, but it has an ear. Mm -hmm. And the one above it is also a replica of the mother, but slightly greener. Mm -hmm. And the two behind it represent a Mississippi map. Okay. So 50% of the clutch was co-dominant. Wow. And, so and, and, and then the second clutch, the same... Sister clutch was this very same thing. I had two females, chocolate maps. We call them chocolate maps. Mm -hmm. And there's two other females that were just normal type Mississippis. But, um, and uh, are the males, did you get any males chocolate or is this? Yeah, those are, those are the males right okay. there I got. So, and then that first picture I showed you, that was a female with no ear at all. Uh, yeah. Interesting. So it's, it's acting as a dominant gene rather than uh, only dominant. Uh, yeah, I would say co-dominant because half of them are green. If it was a full dominant, then everything would be a replica of the mother. Okay, that that's interesting. Yeah. Wow. And I was just based on luck. I had no idea. I was just hoping to make some heads and then someday prove it out. And first season I bred it, I made yeah. visuals. That's, well, that's yeah. Smart. How often, how many codominant genes are there in turtles? I, I, is it, it seems to be very few, by the way. Yeah, stateside, there's about like maybe two or three. And overseas, I've, I've heard oh. there's up to like six to seven. Oh. So. That's, that's nothing. Yeah, not much. Like turtle, like I said, when, when I said, uh, when I said earlier, 2016, 2018, it was kind of like the, the awakening uh, a lot of people started crossing and a lot of people, if you click that, that, um, Eastern painted turtle right there with the ugly shell, mm -hmm. that was that, that I bought that turtle to breed with my albino, right. Uh -huh. And she was an indoor fish tank turtle oh. and one season of being outside. If you scroll right, you see what happened to her. Oh, wow. Nice. That's just, that's just one season of being outside. Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I that's always awesome. put mine outside so that, uh, they shed really good. They, their color look look at look at the colors on that yeah that she's fantastic the guy i got it from was like i've i've never seen her look like that ever <laughs> <laughs> you know it's a different it's a different turtle <laughs> yeah. and i do have a lot of turtles that i put outside from other breeders their their morph their creation 
and they've only had that turtle in indoors and then when they go outdoors they tra- they turn to a different turtle yeah. they transform i i put my clown outside when i'm home you know for the day but i always mm-hmm. bring it in at night i mean i'm just you know really watching over that one but you know she yeah. gets all the you know the sunshine that the others do she just doesn't stay outside during the night but yeah wow. you run two separate incubators yes then. i do so um I have to. I'll have to ask her permission to buy a Eastern clown from that, you. <laughs> that's that's the male het hypo box turtle breeding his mother. He's flipped upside down because when they when they lock, they flip backwards, mm-hmm. and she'll just drag him around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw you had more pictures like that. Yeah, up here. It, it's just that must be happening. Recently. Yeah, it's just really exciting when you. When you see it finally coming together and, you know, I like to document all my breedings so when I do hatch it, I can say – because, you know, people try to be sneaky about things, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like see that picture right there? It warmed up. I went out there to just check on everybody. They're breeding, and then they burrow back down again right there to your left. Yeah. See, I think that picture was taken uh, in October 9th. Okay. It was probably 40 or 50 degrees out. Mm-hmm. And he, they woke up for a little bit. He got some action, and they burrow back down. Yeah, yeah I noticed that um, that uh, Prayer, the clown's brother, he was, you know, they were locking up at end of September, beginning of October. You know, when the water's cooled. You know, I also run cameras. Not to interrupt you, he's yeah. clicking a picture. I run cameras on all my setups, mm-hmm. so I can kind of identify who's laying, where they're laying, when they're laying. Um, if any turtles are floating or sick or overly basking, it, when it when it goes from warm to cold or cold to warm, I like to just throughout the day check my camera to make sure there's no turtle that is just sitting on the ramp, maybe not feeling well. Mm-hmm. I can go out there and capture it right away. I know if the power goes out my and, and my filters ain't coming back on oh. or if a filter is clogged and the, and the filters are not running, mm-hmm. it, it just gives me a better uh, insight on each of my ponds. Mm-hmm. So right there, you yeah. can see that's December 31st, I believe. Wow. It literally just got done. We had a cold front. It was literally like negative five for a couple of days. Yeah. And two days later, it's 50 degrees and turtles are basking. That's the albino eastern painted turtle and two of his females basking. So how many of these um, tank setups do you have outdoors? Uh, Good question. I have eight. Eight. Wow. Yes. And each one is a separate breeding group type. Yes. And you can see that pond right there. Uh, if you close that picture and you go straight down, that was literally yeah. two days after right there. It says right there, December 25th. So six days earlier, the ponds are frozen. Wow. And then six <laughs> days later, they're out basking. Wow. Yeah. So that's, that's, it's pretty that's cool, crazy. man. Yeah. yeah. It is. Well, Oh, get an education every time I talk to you, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I learned, learned a lot too. Learn, learn from a lot of people as well. You know, you got to have an open mind, and you got to be able to take corrective criticism from people that have been doing it for a long time. That's another issue I'm going to say real quick is, uh, if you ask for advice and someone gives you advice, take the advice and try to put it into your 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 uh, colony or your setup or how, how you do things. And if it doesn't work, take what you learned and go from there. Uh, but don't ask someone uh, and take their time by them giving you input and then not take any of that input. And then a month later, contact them and be like, I'm having this issue you already told me about. 
how do I fix it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh man. That's a quick way to stop getting input. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah that's- so oh. what, what, what I'm trying to say is don't be afraid to take information from someone and learn from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. Yeah. But just constantly learn and ask questions. But a lot of people ask me, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is because a lot of people ask me, like, oh, I try to contact these breeders and ask them all these questions, and they never respond to me. Mm-hmm. It's because of many, many years of stuff like that. Like, people are trying to help other people, and they just disregard you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and their stuff dies, and they contact you saying, man, all my stuff died. Well, I, well, I already told you how to avoid that, and you didn't listen. <laughs> you, know, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And it's like – People just got to be more receptive to criticism and receptive to taking in information and using that, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm one of those that, you know, I, I admit I'm a hobbyist and there's so much I need to learn. And so, you know, I've, I've applied like from you, Mike, I, instead of just having the, the warm lamp with a UVB bulb, I, I bought the power suns that put out the UVA. And then I went into studying what UVA does to, you know, any, oh, yeah. any biological system. And it, it widens the blood vessels, allowing for more nutrient um, uh, transport and circulation. So, of course, you know, once I applied the lamp that you recommended, um, the shirtle, my turtles um, were shedding um, properly. So they don't just need the UVB, and I don't think that that is preached enough where people buy turtles. Yeah. They need the UVA-UVB yeah. combo. Uh, what, what they need is the sun. Yes. But but the, our best option is the power sun. Right. And the, I don't represent power sun. Uh, a couple of times I said, hey, if I do some videos for you, will you hook me up on a free bulb? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> yeah. I, it, and, and, but I truly – push their product because it is the best product yep. and it and it's going to keep your animal healthier it's it's it's, it's putting out heat yep. it's putting out uva it's putting out uvb mm-hmm. it's three things in one yep. it's a little more pricier but i'm telling you it freaking works oh, yeah man. yeah and-, and it's like for me to not put that out to hobbyists to say this is the best product on the market yep. like it's you know, what I mean, it's just yeah. be horrible. Yep, that was that was one advice of yours. I grabbed and I applied. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. I I'm a big supporter of the the Power Sun. Um, yeah, it, it, it's just a good product, you know. Well, I'm I'm gonna try your green water more this. Uh, um, this I, I've been pushing it. I've been telling people. A lot of people ask me, you know, they're having breeding issues, and I'm like, would you? You know, uh, uh, excuse my phrase, breed your wife if someone can look at you. <laughs> or right. would you kind of like, would, would like the blinds to be closed? You know what I mean? <laughs> you got to have some sort of privacy. And, and like you said, th- with the snakes, they get stressed when, when you're constantly staring at them. Yeah. The only time we should be staring at them is when they're basking. We shouldn't yeah. be, they shouldn't be in the water where they feel protected and we're like staring at them. Yeah. That's just my opinion though. You know what I mean? <laughs> it uh, makes I, sense. I, I don't. It makes sense. Yeah, the more you can, the more you can uh, mimic nature. I mean, the, the the ponds that we rescued turtles from were all green, and you know we had yeah, absolutely use the manure forks to, um, with the, the plastic close tines to 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 go down into that green water, and we you know, and sure enough, we'd come up with a turtle that we couldn't see that was only yeah. four inches below the surface, you know, and yeah, uh, yeah so you're you're 
quite good at mimicking the nature with the, your green water. <laughs> well, Mike, um, do you, well, if you could keep anything, regardless of laws, anything, size, space, didn't matter, what would you keep? Extinct, not extinct? Oh, man, that's a tough those. one. I, I, I'm just, oh, man, I don't know. I, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, different types of box turtles because I, I really feel like you, if you ever have a chance to own a box turtle and really get it to trust you, they are so personable. When they see you, they're like little dogs, man, I'm telling you. I feel like they're, they're the smart. I feel like they're one of the smartest turtles or personable turtles, you know, that's just my opinion because I've, I've only worked with box turtles. People are going to say, oh, uh, cherry heads or Galapagos or whatever are the same way. But just for whatever reason, box turtle is has got to be one of my favorite just because you can scratch their chin. They'll eat out of your hand. You can, like, interact with them more, you know? Yeah. yeah. And they're just – man, they're so fun. I just – I really enjoy their personalities. I, I That's the one I would always want to – keep and it's it's sad for me to say this because i feel like they're on the fringe of being like illegal to own yeah. because people are taking advantage of them so pretty soon they probably will be illegal to own but um man if you can never own one i i highly suggest it yeah uh super cool man i love when they burrow and they just they'll hear you open the door and they'll like poke their head out the little hole to like oh he's coming and then they just burst out of the ground yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm finding that with my little blind guy he, he hears me you know opening up his lid you know, um, that I use to keep his chamber humid and it, it's a, it's, it's a towel essentially. And as soon as I slide that towel, boy, he's, he's coming out of his hide and he's looking, you know, look, you know, he's, he's moving his head back and forth. Like, I know it's you, you know, and then I, I yeah. pet him and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I've not ever had a box turtle, you know, and, they're, they're pretty personable. Yeah. And the more he trusts you, the more, the more he gets to know you better. It's, yeah. I'm telling you, they're very like, dog-like almost you know or cat-like kind of they're independent you see them marching around and mm -hmm. they're they're pretty cool man yeah yeah he's I, I think, I, i'm a big fan of tortoises so yeah i'm pretty sure and, tortoises are very similar yeah. um they've got to just be missing the one bone and they fill the exact same role in nature <laughs> yeah that, sure, that's gotta sure. be it because yeah. they do fill the same role in nature yeah yeah, so. yeah i i one question um you had touched on um as far as confiscations, and, and I, I just recently read that the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is, um, they're begging people with turtle um, knowledge, turtle keeping knowledge, to help them house all these confiscations. And they just came up with a huge one of people who were poaching the eastern box turtle. And, you know, I, um, you know, like Garden State Tortoise, Camp Cannon, they take on some of these confiscations. Um for the game, you know, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, and and uh, usually on every Turtle Survival Alliance symposium, game U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service shows up, and they put it out there again. Um, again, we're looking for people who can help us, who live near airports, who can take these. We can set you up where you you know as a nonprofit, so you can bring in donations to help you house these turtles and pay yourself a wage and all that sort of thing has anything like mm -hmm. that mike interested you um it hasn't mainly i'm going to say mainly because 
I would have to take responsibility for those animals. And like I said, it's, it's a lot of time. It's a lot of commitment. And I, I don't know if I can do that. And I would not want to even try to attempt to do that and then not be able to, and the animals suffer. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's just, I, I don't want to put myself or the animals in a situation where it's that, you know, and, and la- last topic on this is like, another topic we could talk another hour about is <laughs> if if they would just allow certain species to be bred those those people that are poaching would you know for something to be poached it has to be rare and it has to be have a demand mm-hmm. if you fulfill that demand with captive bred animals mm-hmm. there's no longer a demand there's no longer a poach right. yeah they they proved this in the dark frog market <laughs> Um, yeah, there's there's they, a just, they just don't want to hear it though. They yeah. don't want to hear it. Yeah, that. Um, yeah, I, I I am preaching captive breeding as much as you know that I can, and it seems like our game and fish, the ones that I've talked to, are you know they they agree with that. I mean, it, we need. Yeah, that, that, that's what I mean. Some states agree, some don't. It needs to be a nationwide thing. Like, if if you got people, there's let's just say there's a hundred people in the United States that they specialize in breeding box turtles or caring for box turtles. If they were allowed to sell those babies and as they're all captive bred, right. And maybe some of them went to, uh, maybe some of them went to re- uh, release, you know, let's just say they produced 300 box turtles, 150 went to release and 150 went to sell. And you got a hundred people doing that. You're going to saturate that market and no one's going to be, th- here it is right here. I'm just going to say it like this. If you go into the woods and you know about turtles and you know that this colorful box turtle is worth $2,500, no one's going to pass up a $2,500 bill just laying on the ground. And that's what they're doing. People are going in the woods. They're looking for $500 to $2,500 turtles, and they're, they're, they're finding ways to sneak them over. But if that turtle was diminished by uh, fulfilling that market and saturating the market, you know, people were creating their own color morph turtles. Eventually, that market's going to fall, and why would I want to go out in the woods and look for one when I could just buy one for 250 bucks? You know what I mean? Right. It's like that's the thing I keep trying to preach, and they just – a lot of the people I'm talking to are like, you're wrong. It's people like you, the breeders, that are creating this demand. And I'm like, no, it's when you're restricting and you're banning something. The thing about human beings is we want what we can't have. Yeah. Right. And if, you, and if you say you can't have that box turtle, everyone and their mother wants a box turtle now. <laughs> yeah. When you say I have 50 box turtles, how many do you want? They're like, ah, maybe I'll take one. But maybe I got to ask my wife first. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I think that's why, you know, I was just, you know, um, so, you know, drowned with inquiries and offers and begging and pleading and, you know, that, you know, over this clown. And I'm just like, no, guys, I, you know, it's not worth me, you know, giving it. And of course, you know, it's because it's people want it and you're saying no. (laughs) And probably, probably one of those guys said, Hey, have you seen that, uh, Western clown? That she has, and yeah, well, I offered her twenty five hundred bucks. She said no. Yeah, well, shit, I'm gonna offer her three thousand. <laughs> and next thing, it, t- it turns into this bidding war. Yeah, yeah that's for, what it was for like. people to try to to get this turtle. In. <laughs> yeah, it ha- it happens. It happens to a lot of different species, but yeah, 
But I, I do I, I appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, we appreciate having you. Yeah. I enjoyed your first episode. I noticed this one says episode three, so I gotta check out your episode yeah. two. Uh, it comes out on Wednesday. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm done editing it yet. And, and, and yeah, obviously when you say to us that you could go on for another hour about that topic, we're gonna have I, you on. I can. <laughs> Yeah, I can I can go on for another hour on many topics, you know. <laughs> no, I enjoyed this. This, yeah. this was fun and yeah. If you guys have any questions have on the side, you can you can in, instant message me or DM me or whatever you yeah. want to do. Sometimes I don't respond or I respond short. I just uh, my wife's a police officer and cool. she is. Uh, thank her for she works. Th- thank her oh, uh, thank for you. her service for us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and like I said, I'm I'm medically retired. So I'm I'm the stay home mom, stay home dad, whatever you want to call it. So sometimes I'm just neck deep in kid stuff, and I'm just like, or you know, I'm having a my uncle over or a relative, and kids are playing, and I'm trying to I'm trying to do hospitality, and you know, you're you're sending yeah. me messages, or someone else sending me messages. I'm like, I'm neck deep. <laughs> so don't if I don't respond, oh, or I'm yeah. slow to respond, or short, I'm very talkative. I'm I'm just sometimes I'm just. I'm I'm in neck deep with stuff. Well, you know? yeah, that's Matthew and I. Yeah, we're we're working other jobs along with this, and and plus all the yeah, you know, so yeah, our family and and pets, and yeah, we understand busyness. <laughs> yeah, some people get upset. They're like, oh, you don't answer my question fast oh. enough. I'm like, dude, I'm I'm sorry, man. I'm just well, I got stuff going I'm on. I'm a person that turns off all my devices just so I can have some quality time. So you never have to apologize yeah. to me for. No, in incommunicado. <laughs> yeah, but I, I feel like this is a good idea. I feel like it's good conversation. Yeah. Uh, I'll I'll post it on my page. Hopefully, Excellent. you guys get some traction. Oh, yeah. uh, I will get a hold of yes. you when when it goes up and let you know. Yeah, yeah. I'll post your I'll post your original one too, just so people can know cool. about it. And cool. Okay. I have a de- decent following, so hopefully, some people yeah, will come check it out yeah. and get educated. And uh, yeah. Hopefully, man. Hopefully, you guys do well. And thank you for having well, me. Yeah. Thank, thank you, you for coming on. And thanks for listening to the show. You can check Mike out at Mike's underscore Akawatics12 on Instagram. Um, Dr. Travis Wyman at the beginning of the episode can be found at snakes underscore N, the letter N, that is, underscore bakes on Instagram. Uh, He can be found as Travis Wyman on Facebook. If you have any other questions about kidney donations, he would be a great person to reach out to as he's going through that right now. For the show, you can reach the show at Herp Talk Radio on Instagram. HerpTalkRadio at gmail.com is our email. If you have any questions, feel free. Please reach out. Any input or advice for the show is always welcome. Anyway, you all have a good night, and we'll see you next week.